Hey everyone, Jake and Tevis here with Ticket Price Podcast. Just jumping in to let you know we're on Patreon. We finally did it. It took us longer than we thought. We're not very smart. But if you enjoy the show, check us out. $3 subscription cost. Can't beat that. With it, you're going to get early access to our episodes. You're going to get bonus content, as well as our community forum. Laugh, joke about the show, tell us how bad we are, share your favorite moments. But most importantly, give us recommendations for movies you want to hear us talk about. If we like it, we're going to do your movie. We're going to give you a shout out during the show as a thank you for giving us the idea. Thank you all for listening. Ticket Price Podcast at Patreon. Check us out. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever it is you're tuning in. Welcome to Ticket Price, the podcast where we ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, why do I do this to myself? Do I actually enjoy movies anymore? And those are questions I'll dig into later by myself in the shower while I weep. Isn't this like sadism and masticism? Or yeah. BDSM? <laughs> Well, I don't know about that one, you weirdo. <laughs> well, I am Jake. The weirdo over there is co-host and also the only man who thinks that comic book movies peaked at X-Men, the, the last stand, final stand, last stand. Last stand. The final movie that killed the yeah, X-Men the franchise. Final stand. <laughs> yeah, it should have been the final stand for the X-Men oh movies. Uh, anyway, that at Master Control, that's Tevis. Hi, Tevis. Hey. This is the worst intro I've ever given you. This is you. amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love every single one. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. What are we doing? What well, are we doing for the Halloween episode? Well, if you would listen to last week's episode, I know you don't pay attention when we record, but you could at least listen to them because you edit these. How do you not know what we're doing? No, we are looking at Halloween, but we're not Whoa. just looking at one Halloween. Well, it's Halloween in like four days. Yeah, I know. So That's why I wished everyone a happy Halloween. Well, yeah, so we're looking ahead like four days. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We're going to time travel, I guess. Oh, nice. But no, for Halloween, we are looking at Halloween. Ooh. But not just... Which one? See? That's the rub, because there's like 18 of them. I think so. So we have decided that we're going to do a special episode today and actually kick off a, a sub-series to the channel, Showdown, where we look at originals and movie remakes and pit them head-to-head. And we're not asking which movie is worth the ticket price like we normally do. We're looking at definitively which one is better. Who did it right? Two movies enter, one movie leaves. Oh, yeah. Nice. This is going to be fun. And, uh, okay, can I do my first comparison while we're talking about two movies enter, one movie leaves? Sure. If 78 Michael Myers stepped into the cage with 07 Michael Myers... Oh, seven Michael Myers would rip him to pieces quickly. That dude is a literal monster quickly. Yeah. So shout out to uh, what's his name? Uh, Tyler Bain. Tyler, Tyler Bain. Yeah, he was in the uh, X Men movies. He, we're doing a call. How do Look we at keep that. getting back? X- he was Sabretooth. He right? was Sabretooth. Yeah. Also retired pro- professional wrestler and Canadian. Is he retired Canadian? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. I mean, he might. I don't know where he lives now. I'm pretty sure when you look at like uh, Steve Martin and all those guys, they're retired Canadians, right? You love Steve Martin, though. Let me play my dog whistle. <laughs> I hate Steve. I hate Steve Martin. I hate Saturday Night Live. What that show is terrible and oh. has always been terrible. I don't know if I can continue this podcast. 
Well, that's true for a number of reasons. <laughs> no, we're talking about Halloween, but we are talking about the original 1978 and the 07 remake by Rob Zombie. So we're looking at Halloween versus Halloween, Carpenter versus Zombie. That's a weird sentence. That is, <laughs> a, weird, that is a weird sentence. Diving in, let's give the tale of the tape of our two fighters. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go ahead. In the Red Corner, coming in at 1978, directed by John Carpenter, written by Carpenter and Deborah Hill, with nine award wins, three award nominations, a budget of $325,000, a worldwide gross of $47.1 million, and ratings, IMDb gives it a 7.7, and Rotten Tomatoes, a 96. The original Halloween. That's a big number from the Rotten Tomato. Is that our biggest Rotten Tomato number? I don't recall, honestly. Avatar, I think, would be the only one that comes close. Av uh, no, no. Rocky was a 92. 97 is more than 90 92. Well, good. But it's also 96. <laughs> oh, which was is it also 96? more than 92. Oh. You can tell how much I so much. <laughs> In the blue corner, coming in for a 2007, directed by Rob Zombie, written by Zombie, Carpenter, and Hill. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill still get their writing credits. Did they actually help? Like, I Well, I think it's because Zombie, especially in the latter half of the movie, still uses a lot of the original script and dialogue. Yeah, it changes very, very little, little yeah. in the second half. But we'll get into that. With three award wins, two award nominations, a budget of $15 million, and a worldwide gross of $80.4 million, and IMDb ratings of 6 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes, 28%. Dang. Step aside, grumpy old men. Step aside, the last voyage of the Demeter. We have a new king of worst overall ratings. On the podcast, Ticket Price's new worst reviewed movie ever, Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> that is really low for, I consider for this movie. That is insanely low. It, In general, that's yeah, insanely low. It's just, I, I don't think it really deserves that harsh of a number. <laughs> I couldn't think of what I was going to say. Glad I, you know, I, I saw you floundering and I was like, do I jump in and save him? And I went, no, no, no. I will. I will watch the world burn. <laughs> I think my eyes crossed a little bit. You stroked out a little bit. <laughs> a tad bit. Okay. So, cause we've talked a lot about this and we still never really came up to a definitive answer. If you're new to the show, we're not good at this. No. If no, you're not. not new to the show, then, you know, it's, we're on par. Yeah. So, obviously, the score doesn't change. You cannot change the Halloween theme. I think it was yeah. updated a little bit, it, but it's... The Zombies version is definitely the same, but it feels a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And I, I don't... I didn't get to play them side by side to see if they are exactly different, mm -hmm. but it does... 100% feels a little more aggressive to me. Which I was okay with, because the 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 tune is still the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you can't change. You're right. You can't change that theme song. So now we go into the opening of the film. Films. 
which starts off obviously with the catalyst for the Michael Myers rampage that is his life, the murdering of Judith Myers, his sister. In the original, she finishes banging her boyfriend. The whole minute. <laughs> They're teenagers. It took him it took him longer to walk down the stairs putting his shirt on and walking out of the house than it did to actually do the deed. They're teenagers. I don't You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I'm just saying. But the one thing I really liked about the intro to the original was you're in the POV, mm-hmm. but you don't really know who it is until he gets upstairs in her room. Because you're well, still kind of like she even says Michael's around here somewhere, and we don't know that we're essentially Michael. Right. Although I think we know well, you know, those of us who pay attention to the movies we watch because he gets the knife out of the kitchen and you see a child's hand in the clown costume arm sleeve get the knife. I hate you right now. Because you know I'm right. Yeah, I yeah. know you're right. Who, who, whose point of view am I looking at? It could have been some trick-or-treater outside too. Some well, technically it was kid. a trick-or-treater. <laughs> Michael then proceeds to go upstairs in and still still holding that POV. It is a long shot, is which is a, a Carpenter likes to hold he likes to hold those scenes. And in this movie especially. But he then goes upstairs and murders his sister. Some of those shots in the point of view didn't work for me. The stabbing part? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Cause, are you because like he's stabbing her, but then he also like turns away from his sister and you see his arm moving at an angle that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it it definitely took me out of the moment. But you know, hey, I want to I want to call back to something when you were like, you know, I I challenged filmmakers out there to do a horror movie with no blood. You said Halloween did that. Except Judith Myers is definitely bleeding. There's it's a, not a lot. There's a few drops on the knife when he's outside and then, I'm just being a, I'm being I know a you're, yeah. you're being p- uh, picky, but <laughs> just towards you, not the film, though. No, I understand like, that. Well, technically, Tavis, yeah. there was blood on Judith Maya's boobies, so we couldn't see her nipples. Well, that was just because it was the TV version. <laughs> I'll have you know that I watched a very reputable bootlegged copy. Was it on the YouTube? <laughs> With Portuguese subtitles. <laughs> With Portuguese subtitles. Heck yeah. What movie did you watch that? The Foreigner. The Foreigner, yeah. oddly enough. Oddly enough. <laughs> no, obviously we don't condone pirating films or music. No. It is not a victimless crime. You wouldn't steal a car, would you? You wouldn't steal a purse. <laughs> Those commercials were always so I loved them. Like, so over the top. You so wouldn't hokey. shoot a dog, would you? What? <laughs> I'm just trying to watch Halloween like for free. What the hell? Oh, would you push your grandmother down the stairs? I'm like, I'm just trying to get some music of, you know, so I can make my hot mixtape yeah. for my girl. God, we're old. Metallica's watching you. <laughs> Lars is not happy. <laughs> Lars is pissed. <laughs> Drop my hat. It's all right. I don't care. But then, so Michael kills her, leaves the house, and that's where we finally leave the point of view. And we see this young boy, clown costume, bloody knife in hand. His parents come home. And uh, they're just like, you know, Michael, what are you doing out here? What's wrong? They take the mask off. And he just has this, I can only describe it as like a terrified expression. 
Yeah, and he's standing there with this knife. And did you notice the mother? She's standing next to him with her hands in his in her pockets. She's just like, oh, hey, what are you doing there, cutie pie? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm like, you don't have any, like, emotion at all? No. I don't know. It just threw me off. And it's they hold out. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's Halloween in Illinois. <laughs> it's chilly. Her hands were chilled. She just, they, and they hold that shot for so long as the, camera, the camera backs away. Out. Yeah. And, but there, there we go. Done and done. We never actually learned what happens to Myers' parents, Michael's parents, right? We never. I'm assuming he killed them somehow. When? His, like, 15 years incarcerated? Probably. <laughs> he he snuck out, murdered his parents, snuck back in. In Loomis's coat. Wait, wait, are you suggesting that little Michael was hiding inside Dr. Loomis's trench coat as he was wearing it? As as oblivious as Loomis is in both versions throughout this entire movie, yes, I imagine he could get away with that. Hey, don't come at my man, Loomis. Uh, Donald Pleasance, I love him. Uh, Malcolm McDowell? Awesome. he's, He's okay. I just, I can't really... I don't know. I can't get behind him to- so much. I don't know of a movie that he's done that I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I know he was in A Clockwork Orange. and I'll, I'll tell you a movie that he that you can look back on at his performance and go, this was fantastic. Halloween. Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween. We, You know what? We're going to finish the opening, and then we're going right into Dr. Loomis. We're doing Loomis. Okay, we're let's going, do Loomis. No, we have to do the oh, opening. Shit. We did the opening of the first one. We have to do the now we. One. That's how the showdown works. The showdown, yeah. It wouldn't work if it was just one movie. I'm an idiot. If anyone would like to jump in and help me actually do this show. You know, I haven't made that joke in a while, but it seems really pertinent right now. I think we got to start that every episode with that joke. There's usually space for it somewhere or a reason. But okay, but that it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. Now yeah, It takes, what, like seven minutes maybe? Give or take. Yeah. Let's jump into Rob Zombies. Okay. Now, Rob really went into this wanting to give more backstory to Michael and give more of an explanation as to why Michael Myers becomes the giant killer and, you know, the murderer. Did anybody ask for that? Well, technically, uh, whoever the hell made the original sequel to Halloween, because they also fabricated a backstory that Rob is kind of playing off of. I don't like it. <laughs> well, neither did John Carpenter. <laughs> so, because even Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Samuel Loomis, given a, a, a just straight amazing performance, uh, no one cares what you think. He explains when he's up on the podium, he, you know, he's giving that, he's doing the book reading of his book, The Devil's Eyes or whatever, the book he wrote about being Michael Myers' doctor. And he explains that Michael is a perfect storm of inborn and ingrained issues, conditions, etc. that all just kind of forced together and mixed to create the super murderer. That is the story Rob Zombie is trying to tell with Michael. I'm glad you're being so even keeled about all this and... I enjoyed about four minutes of 
the beginning of this movie. Oh, you're talking about just like the the actual intro. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's four more minutes than I enjoyed. Okay. Let's okay. Let's get into it. I, I thought, thought I thought you were about to give me more Doctor Loomis crap. No, and no, you're not there. No, and not I there. will not. No. I will not let you slander Mister McDowell. No. It was a good performance. We'll we'll get to him later. Okay. So, oh, it, the see the movie opens with some big argument about something at the, the breakfast table the, the over the top ridiculous every stereotypical bad home he you know michael's neck family michael's in the bathroom murdering my mouse or a rat his rat uh, elvis murdering a rat yes named elvis named elvis no see though i think that's worth pointing out and i'm going to actually defend rob zombie's halloween more than i thought i would because we've talked about this before going into these movies with the mindset of trying to be professional, trying to look at them critically. And when we get to the latter half, I want to talk, really talk about what Rob Zombie does here. And I think in the latter half, he does it really well, but we'll get there. But it's important to note, this isn't some rat that young Michael finds and mutilates. It is his it's pet. His, yeah, it's his buddy. And it's a, it's a pet that we see him give affection to. Because he's like, hi, George, and he's, or Elvis. I called him, I don't know why. George. <laughs> of Mice and Men, Looney, George and Lenny. The Looney Tunes and, yeah. reference. I will call I him will George. pet you and squeeze you and never let you go. There's your Looney Tunes reference of the day, folks. Hey, that's all. <laughs> and hey, that's impression. our bad impression. Bingo! <laughs> but, but we see young Michael give affection to a pet. And, you know, pets are typically family members. Then he then takes it into the bathroom and mutilates it and kills it with a knife. But I think that's important to note because it's not just, he's not just mutilating animals, which we find out a little later on in the intro at the school that he has been doing. But this is a pet and it's a, it's a small distinction, but I believe it is worth noting. Oh, it's very important. Yes. So now downstairs, you've got the slut sister, who hates everyone. You've got the stripper mom trying to hold everything together. You have her boyfriend, who's just the worst piece of human garbage. He is the guy from Rocky. I can't think of his name. Rocky? No, the other one. Paulie. Brother. Paulie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he's, he's basically... It's the of, he's the Polly of this movie. Well, he gets it in the end. Yeah. What was his name? Ronnie? Ronnie? Ronnie. Polly? It's Yeah. It's, if you're a grown-ass man and you end your name in I.E., rethink all of your life decisions. I will alienate all four people that listen to this show. <laughs> you're, you're a grown man and your name ends in I.E., let's talk about some things. Yeah. But yeah, he's. I normally like William Forsythe as an actor, his performance. This one, he's just over the top. But I think, okay, because I thought about this, because they all are. They all are. But I actually think that they are doing their job really well. And I think that they're technically giving a good performance. They are acting in the manner that their director wants them to act. I'm pinning this on Rob Zombie not as the director, not the actors. Sorry, Rob. I'll defend you later. But no, I, I, I'm pinning this on the director. Mm, yeah, okay. I'll I'll give you that one. I will come over. I will crawl over there and I will skull. You know, oh, it's just... God. And what gets me is Mama Myers, which is all I ever call her because I have no idea what her name, her name is. Name. But Mama Myers 
is genuinely loving and nurturing to her children, which I feel like tonally is conflicting with the household that the movie is trying to set up to explain partly why Michael Myers is the way he is. Because I, I truly believe that in real life, with how caring and protective she is of her kids, she would not let Ronnie get away with as much as he gets away with towards her children. She, she can take the verbal abuse to herself. She can take the physical abuse to herself. She will. And then subsequently, I think she would let slide certain things or, or up to a certain level of Ronnie acting that way to her children. But as soon as Ronnie made that sexual comment about the daughter, the daughter the dump she would have dumped mm-hmm. his crippled ass on the street. Mama Bear would have come out and she would have mauled his face off. She should have stabbed him herself. Uh, agreed. Yes. But you get but the character that she is portraying, I don't think would let him do that. I don't think not so, to yeah. the extent that he gets away with. No. So that was kind of tonally off for me. But it continues. Michael comes downstairs. It's Halloween. He's excited. He's got his mask. And it's just, you know, F word. And I don't mean, I don't mean F you. I mean, F a, and they throw that around liberally in the, in the beginning. Yeah. When Michael's a kid, you know, the sister is honestly, okay. The sister is just kind of your typical older sister to him. Yeah. I don't think she's. Until except for the part at the dinner table or the breakfast table or whatever, she's kind of picking on him, and Ronnie is picking up on what she's doing, and they're both kind of playing off each other, and it's like she's trying to impress Ronnie by making fun of Michael even more. Right, but I, I, but again, I don't think that's necessarily outside the norm of a typical sibling relationship, because let's face it. They're all, all those kids are desperate for positive male, you know, father figure, um, approval, affection. And that's one way that she can kind of get it. But, but even then she's still not really outside nothing. Okay. Nothing. She said to Michael, my older brother didn't say to me, I was called F.A., all the time. It was a different time. And that's not, I'm not condemning my brother. It just, that's, that's how it was. Yeah. I was the older brother. So you admit it. No. <laughs> okay. Ad- admit that you treated your younger siblings in a similar fashion. I may have, uh, choke slammed my brother a couple <laughs> of times. Oh yeah. Well, we've all been there. Yeah. Power bomb. Yeah. Power bomb. Worst day of my life is when undertaker developed the last ride power bomb as his finisher worst day of my life anyway my favorite was the pedigree so oh yeah oh wait were you a triple h fan I love get triple out h. of this studio oh, i loved get, it get out he was my man i loved it and the game <laughs> you're gonna play it you look like your motorboat in china china would have motorboated me <laughs> you're not wrong um but no, getting, getting attempting to segue this back into something we're actually talking about. Yes, let's get back to the 24 minutes of the beginning of the first one. Well, the remake. Yeah. Well, this ta- th- this part, port, fuck, 
Let's keep going. This portion yeah. of the introduction is 24 minutes long. It's so long. The original did it in seven minutes. Yeah. Now, again, we talked about, you know, we touched on, I, I understand what Rob Zombie's, his vision and what he's trying to do here and why these scenes are happening. But why are they so long? And th- it's 24 minutes. You could have told me it was 48 minutes and I would have believed you because the dialogue we have to sit through is atrocious. It's very, very bad. And and this isn't like uh, the the language they're using and the and the, you know, what they're calling they're calling him gay in every imaginable way. They are picking on him and it's whatever. Not even just like the severity of the language they're using. Like no, this is bad dialogue. Like, no one talks like this. There has never been a conversation in recorded history that has gone down like this one. Um, it was recorded in this show. In I this hate movie. you so much. That's my technicality of the day. <laughs> this is the um actually, actually moment of the show. Well, they had blood on her boobies. <laughs> I was just about to say I had it coming. Yeah. And there's and there it is. Now we're even yeah. and we can move on. Yes. But this dialogue is so bad. Yeah, it's it is. It's so bad. And you're right. Every family member is just the most obvious, unnecessary stereotype that is then notched all the way to 10. Yeah. It's like they read a psychology book. I was like, okay, I want you to do this, but turn it up to 11, like Spinal Tap. See, that's so overdone. I don't, I, I'd stop doing that reference. Because it's so overdone and no one even knows it's from Spinal Tap anymore. I know. So now it's new. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you brought up an interesting point, which will finally push this along, maybe. You said the first portion of the introduction. And that is very important because now the introduction continues and we leave the Myers home and we go to the the Haddonfield Elementary School, middle school. Yeah. How many? So how many? Okay. Before you go step out of the... Yes. I think I'm uh, I think I'm going too far. We haven't got to the murders yet. No. Okay. No, because we go to the school okay. where he is then picked on and bullied in the bathroom by a couple of jerk offs because his mom's a stripper. One of them has like a magazine or a newspaper ad that has her in it, you know, and they're making fun of him for being, you know, again, it's all the same bullies are calling the kid gay in every way you can imagine. It's, you know, his mom's a stripper, so if I give her a dollar, you know, she'll rub her tits on my face. I'm like, no one talks like that. Yeah, and I'm also pretty sure that doesn't really happen. Bad. Real talk, I've never been to a strip club because I have uh, pride and I don't pay for strange. Because I'm a man. Anywho, but you know, he's getting picked on and bullied in all the stereotypical fashions. Fight breaks out, principal or whoever, some kind of administrator comes in, breaks him up. That's when Michael's called to the office. The mom has to leave work. She comes in to deal with it. And that is when we're introduced to like young, handsome Dr. Samuel Loomis with the long hair and the beard. The and that really worked for me. Terrible. How dare yeah, you? Freaking... How dare you sit there and look me in my eyes? <laughs> that pompadour looking thing. It was, yeah. Like, oh. oh, no. It was. It's you're just jealous because you terrible. can't grow hair like that. I can comb my beard over and it would be exactly the same. I know I'm going to grow my hair out now. Just and, like that. And I'm going to do it just like that. Have just that one you. strand hanging down in front of your eyes. Because I'm sexy. Yes. Mysterious. My name is Dr. Loomis. <laughs> oh, 
Dr. Loomis. <laughs> I tried to watch my language, but that was worth 100% worth. He and Scatman tearing the town all Probably doing all the nurses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay e- with that. Even the one that Michael forts to death. We're not at the forking, the graphic forking scene. <laughs> so dumb. No, actually, I dig that. Oh. We're not there. But that's where we learn that they found pictures in Michael's locker of animals that he had killed and mutilated. And, and Dr. Loomis gives his opening spiel about how these are warning signs. I'm going, warning signs? No, these are giant red flashing stop before the train murders you signs. Again, very stereotypical. Well, we notice that uh, if a child is mutilating animals in, in any form or fashion and documenting those mutilations, these are warning signs that he may grow up to be a weirdo killer person. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. That's, like, these aren't warnings. This, this is a huge, you must act right now. Warnings are passed. This is something that needs to be handled. But that's what we get. Michael, realizing what's been found, knows he's in trouble, runs off. He then catches up to the primary bully who's walking through the woods on his way home, dons his clown mask, and then slowly and painfully beats him to death with a very large tree branch. Yeah, did we need that? Did we need it? Probably not. But again, Rob Zombie is very slowly painting a picture of how Michael is escalating and how his environment is feeding his inherent nature because you know it's nature versus nurture we all know it's a combination true and rob zombie is telling that story here and so he had his nature to his propensity to do these acts with elvis the rat with the animals he's found but the bully is the is his first step into that larger sphere right that's his first human murder it's his first taste of human blood yeah and it's the bully who has just made his life you know hell for however long right and so so that's did we need it probably not but that's that's where we're going here it's, it's still 24 minutes too long oh 100 percent then he, he goes home he's excited to trick-or-treat his mom has to work because she's the only one working, because Ronnie is the worst. Well, he's isn't he all busted up with a broken leg and broken an arm leg and, and his fingers. fingers. And she in the in the kitchen scene over breakfast, she mentions how he did it to himself, but they don't go into details. I bet it was a drunk driving accident. I <laughs> I bet he got drunk and wrapped his truck. You know, he drives a truck and wrapped it around a telephone pole. Yeah, you're not wrong. Or I mean, I guess technically he could have hurt himself at work. But as someone who has seen and heard about a number, a number of factory accidents, never seen factory accidents like that. So, no. No, he, he doesn't have a job. He, no, he wrapped his piece of shit pickup truck around a telephone pole. Yeah, he stole her tip money that she earned, went to the bar. With her got tits. Got hammered. Yeah. Tried to pick up on some nasty bartender there. Got oh, rejected. Why? You don't know the bartender was nasty. If If Ronnie was at the bar, whatever bar he goes to. <laughs> You know it's a freaking dirt hole. <laughs> he was trying to inspect her dirt hole. Yes. And uh, and he got rejected. 
So he angrily and drunkenly, <laughs> drunkenly, 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 yeah, drove home and wrapped it around, and the, then telephone wrapped it around the telephone pole. Yeah, 100%. and then somehow blamed Mama Myers for all of it. Oh, it was a hundred percent her fault. Yeah, hundred percent. So Mama's got to work. Judith is supposed to take him trick or treating. He's in, he's in that clown costume. He's very excited. He has his mask, same mask he wore when he murdered the bully. Mom leaves. Ronnie's drinking heavily, watching TV. And that's when Judith's boyfriend comes over. He lasts roughly the same amount of time, I'm pretty sure. I did not uh, I did not time that one. Oh, you timed the first I one? I timed the okay. first one, yeah. At a certain point, you're going, I need to stop stopwatch timing all these teenagers having sex because yeah. it's weird. It was after the first one. <laughs> at a certain point, do you just look at your life and you go, what am I doing? Yeah, why Why do I have a stopwatch out right now? <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Uh, but, you know, he's like, aren't you going to take me trick-or-treating? I'm all excited. And she's like, no, loser, and goes up and does her deed. And then he, instead of leaving like the original boyfriend, he goes downstairs and makes himself a sandwich. And gets a ball bat to the head. So, Michael, before the ball bat, Michael can't go trick-or-treating. He's already killed today. He's in that place. He's alone. He's with his thoughts. And uh, I think he's just decided, well, I've already opened this door. What the hell? So he duct tapes Ronnie to his recliner. I love that. My wife and I were laughing so hard because we were like, he has to be so heavily passed out from drinking. Like he is not napping in his chair. Otherwise, at the very least, he would have woken up when the duct tape went around his face. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's like mummified almost. Yeah. Like chair. he is wrapped to his chair. And then Michael slits his throat and the guy wakes up. And I'm like, if you could sleep through all this duct tape, you probably would have slept through that. Yeah. You <laughs> if, just bleed out. And, and that's it. That's it. And Michael just stares into his eyes while he bleeds out and dies. I actually kind of like that part of it where he's just staring at him. Well, it's very on brand because the is. original does with those kills is very yeah uh, similar. I think that's the first time I was like, okay, this is not that terrible. No, I do think while Rob Zombie ha- is he is trying to tell the story, his his idea of Halloween. He, you know, is still he clearly knows the characters. And, and those little things don't pass him by. Yeah, I agree. His dialogue is horrible. Uh, I agree. But his understanding of the characters is is perfect. So that's when we see the boyfriend after his, what, one minute pump and dump. I did not. I put the stopwatch away. Oh, thank you. I threw it away, actually. <laughs> you just threw it away in shame. You're like, <laughs> oh, what am I doing? <laughs> threw it away. Uh, he takes out an aluminum ball bat. To the boyfriend's head and then just beats him to death. Like, just o- just over that and over. was brutal. Yeah. He just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And just... And all to the head. Yeah. Like, he double-tapped that kid several times. Yes. Like, <laughs> is there an octuple tap? Is that a... <laughs> so that's when, finally, Michael's goes, Michael goes upstairs. And this is... And he murders his sister. We already... You know, we get there. But he finds the mask. The the oh yeah because they gave an origin story to the Michael Myers mask in the Rob was... Zombie one and it's that the boyfriend bought it and wanted to have sex while wearing it that 
So it's now a sex mask. That makes me so ill. Pig, bear, Michael Myers. <laughs> what is the what is the costume? Yeah, no, don't like it. Uh, he's like, I won't do it with the mask on, babe. No, and so he finds the mask, puts it on, and I get it, but I couldn't help but snicker looking at young Michael wearing that <laughs> giant he ass looks like mask. A bobblehead. <laughs> He did. He looks like. <laughs> Although they did do something in that part that I really, really enjoyed. Like the camera would, when it got focused in on Michael, it would shake mm-hmm. a little bit when the music would hit. I really like that. Yeah, that really brought the whole intenseness of that scene really to the front. For oh me. yeah, Rob knows how to crank that intensity up. That was really cool. But yeah, the mask on that kid. On I the was kid. like, <laughs> you are getting attacked by a bobblehead. And then. Now it's also, it's not a big scary mask. It's weird sex mask. Yeah. That bothered me. But I want to point out now the sister, Judith, is listening to Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. That seems like a meaningless detail. And at this moment in time, it is. So we'll move on. Now, before he gets to the stabbing, there's something that I egregiously have a problem with. Okay. He runs his fingertips... Up his naked sister's, or I guess she's wearing a shirt or whatever at this point. But he's running his fingertips up her legs towards her butt in a very sensual, very sexual manner. Michael Myers does not have sexual feelings. I cannot stress this enough. And if he does, he shouldn't. <laughs> and it's his sister. Granted, he if if he is as mentally disturbed, I don't know if that's the PC term. But it's Michael Myers, so who cares? If he's as messed up as he's supposed to be, I guess that that familial bond is meaningless. Like, you know, mentally it doesn't register necessarily. But you know what also shouldn't register? Sexual urge! Yeah, I'm not sure what they were going for there. So, she's like, oh, stop it, because she thinks it's her boyfriend. Turns around, sees it's her little brother, and is like, what the hell? And starts slapping him, which looks even goofier, because she's slapping that giant mask <laughs> that all but does a complete 360 <laughs> spin around his head, because it's too big. It should have. It should have done that would have been amazing. And then made the sound. And then he knifes her in the gut, and then she's like, oh, God, I'm dying. And then we get the scene of her, like, stumbling down the hallway trying to get help. And the music's playing. It's super intense. But there's little Michael with the big bobblehead mask (laughs) behind her with the knife. And I'm going, I can't take this seriously. It's this big, intense moment. But I I just couldn't. (laughs) It was ridiculous. I'm like, I'm sorry. If I'm walking down a hallway, stabbed or not, and that kid comes at me, I might still die. But I for sure am taking him with me. Put your hand on the top of his head. <laughs> arms let him swing <laughs> like a space balls yeah. with a Rick Moranis. <laughs> Finally, fi- after several, you know, knife cut and additional, like he's slashing her back, da da da, she finally dies. Then Michael walks outside. Oh no, he kisses his baby sister. He kisses baby Lori because yes. the one. He has two positive relationships. I don't mean people treating him right, which is also true, but also he identifies personally two positive relationships, his mother and And his his baby baby sister sister, that he calls Boo. 
And so he's just killed all this people, all these people. He's covered in blood. He's got the knife. He's got the mask. And we see him in the doorway of baby Lori's room. He then takes the mask off, gives her a kiss on the forehead. It's like, love you, boo. And leaves. This is when he goes outside and sits on this with is, the baby. Yes. He yeah. takes her and then goes out. He puts a little beanie hat on her so she stays warm. Doesn't get cold. Because yeah. this is his one one of two positive relations. And he waits for his mom to come home. And that's when she comes home and we get the hysterical. She is terrible. She is not a good actress. You mean Mrs. Zombie? Mrs. Zombie. No, she's not good. We also didn't talk about her stripping scene. I, yeah, uh, because it it doesn't matter. No, I, no. But it, when she goes into hysterics and um, I, I don't buy a, a bit of it. It's she's a very very poor actress. She's fine. No, she's not, she, she does not get that award. She no. doesn't get the Shelley Duvall award for being totally and completely fine. No, she does not. Oh, okay. Not in my view. She's that award has never been vetoed before. We're all, we're we are treading new water. That is going to Doctor Loomis. I will fight you, <laughs> and I don't have a a tiny eleven year old head. I will fight you with a man head with my man head mask. <laughs> Leave that in. Leave man head in there. But then it cuts to we see the hysterics and everything, but it's from the point of view. Of the new of the of the local news uh, cameraman, we see the anchor talking about you know horror today at the Myers family is three people found butchered and and we see the mom freaking out in the background. We see Michael get loaded into the cop car. I actually dig that. I thought I thought that was actually kind of cool. That was that was a that was an interesting point of view that we don't frequently get. Is that when he Michael slowly turns? in the back of the car yeah. and looks at the camera and yeah. I'm like, okay. That was a little much, but that the was. point of view was cool. No, I agree with that. But yeah, when he, once, once he turned his head and looks, I'm like, are you going to wink at us now? Or <laughs> what are you doing? Is... He's going to just give us a double thumbs up or yeah. Well, it's Oh seven. Maybe his like a waza. Oh God. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's era appropriate. Yeah, that, that's... If he had turned to the camera, tongue out, waza. I was thinking he was going to do like the Ferris Bueller looking at the camera going, what are you still doing here? <laughs> I already it's, killed those people. It's over. Go <laughs> home. The murders already happened. Yeah. It's done. Now the intro continues as, as we see young Michael. He is still a child. How, how long have we talked about this? The original was seven minutes. This, this show this movie has a longer childhood for Michael than I had a childhood. It it was so, so long. So now we see Michael with Dr. Loomis in the hospital. That shitty haircut. How dare you? Again, you're just jealous because you don't have a haircut. You have a beard-based color. I have all of them cut. <laughs> you, you exclusively have haircuts. Cut hairs. Uh, and we get to see more and we get to see Loomis actually try to have his sessions with Michael. And now I get that they're trying to like establish the Loomis Michael relationship, but I don't know if we, at least not to the extent we got it. Cause it didn't do anything. It didn't propel the story. No. And if anything, I think it made me look on Loomis worse. 
as a doctor because it's like everything he was trying to do just pushed Michael down even further. Yeah, but is that Loomis's fault or was that going to happen regardless? Like, well, based on what Loomis does in this movie, then it's Loomis's fault because Loomis is pretty in in both movies, honestly. He's pretty... He's not a great... Maybe he's not a great doctor. He's not a great character. How he dare you? He doesn't do anything. He brandishes a gun and knows how to use it. Kind of. Sort of. Does he, though? Does he not pull a gun from his coat in both movies and repeatedly shoot Michael Myers? Doesn't kill him. I didn't say killed Michael Myers. I said brandishes a gun yes. and shoots Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, but no, so now we get this long drawn out. He's in the hospital and his visits with Loomis and his, the, the janitor played by Danny Trejo is like, I know you're locked in behind those walls, little brother, but, but look inside your mind. They can't put walls in your mind. You know, you'll get out one day. And I'm like, no one cares. Danny Trejo. (laughs) Danny Trejo is awesome. I love Danny Trejo. I love Danny Trejo, but his role in this movie is pointless. It is pointless. Yeah. And then. We finally get to the graphic forking scene. That made made me angry. I guess we kind of see Michael's progression because he's like, no, what happened? Is the family okay? I have no memory of it, which is bullshit. Like, I think he's trying to tell them what they want to hear or what he thinks they want to hear that might let him go home. Yeah, I agree. But then he does eventually reach the point where he just shuts down and stops talking. And always wears those paper masks. And yeah, and he... And that was kind of cool. I like the masks that he kept wearing. Is this partly Danny Trejo's fault? For make, helping him make the masks? No, he doesn't help make the masks, but he... Gives him he, the shit to he do. Tells him, he tells Michael, retreat inside your mind. Oh. Is that not what happens? So t- Danny Trejo is responsible... Partly. ...for Michael Myers. Partly. Okay, I'll take that. It works. I'll right? take that. I have a lot at of least that, at least that gives Danny Trejo's character some point. That's true. Unlike Dr. Loomis. What are you talking about? He's one of the primary protagonists. <laughs> Dr. Loomis is in the pantheon of all time great horror movie characters. Well, I'll t- I'll, we'll talk more about Dr. Loomis. Yeah, because yeah, he's our next subject. Yeah. Okay. They have a meeting, Loomis is there. The mom is there. Young Michael isn't talking. They're eating jello or whatever. And then they step outside to talk about further treatment, leaving young Michael. Yeah. And so they get a nurse on duty to watch him. So there are no orderlies around. I noticed that immediately. I went, where's the security staff? So you have this kid who has already killed three people right. that they know of. Right. Technically, he's killed four people and a rat. But they only ever found three people. So they, he's already killed three people brutally yeah. that they know of. So Dr. Loomis is like, hey, Mama Myers, let's step outside and you can tell me your work schedule so I can meet you at your strip club. That is not what happens. But, hey, Nurse Ratchet, can you come in here <laughs> and watch this kid? And she immediately turns her back to him to they, read the newspaper. But they give him a fork. Yeah, he, they give he him has silverware. full metal cutlery. Mike, you, you deserve it. If, if you're going to be this just willy-nilly about, yes. There's no the support staff. There are no orderlies. A, no, a convicted killer has metal utensils 
and he graphically forks her repeatedly in the neck, <laughs> and she dies. And he was mad because Dr. Loomis was trying to graphically fork his mom. <laughs> that is not at all that what happened. Exactly that what is was not happen. what was happening. Yeah, he, he hadn't had murdered that, is that not nurse. Because he was talking about maybe it was time that they resort to more drastic treatment measures like electroshock therapy. At no point was he like, and then I'll come over and I'll give you the good stuff like Ronnie never could. <laughs> right? Because he would know about that. That's not what happened. I, if he had, if Michael hadn't killed that nurse, that's what would have happened. That would have been the conversation between Dr. <laughs> Loomis and Mama Bear. I'm so glad I'm having this discussion with you of all. I am trying to uphold myself with some level of professionalism and compare these movies. Thank you. You're welcome. But we finally got to graphic forking and we can stop saying graphic forking. Also, I might have been the only one so far to say graphic forking. I believe you were. Yeah. Yeah. Graphic forking. T-shirt. Graphic forking. T-shirt idea, everyone. That is when we all, everyone realizes there's, there's no going. Michael's too far gone. There's no coming back from where he's at. And then we get the scene of Mama Myers at home watching home videos of her children. What I like how you are now covering your mouth, trying not to laugh at this horrendously sad and desperate scene. You are a heartless monster, much like young Michael Myers. Young Michael Myers. You're not you're not awesome adult no. Michael Myers. <laughs> Idiot little boy forking people, Michael Myers. Uh, and then she inevitably, in her depression, shoots herself in the face. And then the baby starts crying. Okay. I want to take a moment. As a father, I would be so angry if someone's like, hey, we're doing a movie. You have a cute baby. You know... Can she be in this movie? Because we need a cute baby. Like, oh, sure. That sounds cool. And I'm on set and, you know, in the back and they're doing their stuff and they're filming. All they ever did was make sure they freaked this poor child out to the point that it is that she's screaming and crying and and, in hysterics because it's a baby who has no idea what's going on. So we're going to scream at her and we're going to shoot guns near her and we're going to do all this bullshit. And they're just like, how can we get this child to freak out? How many takes do you think it took? To get the- how many takes would it have taken for me to lose my shit and murder everyone like Michael Myers? Had that been my child? Um, I honestly, it's been a while since I'd seen this movie. So when that part happened and you know, you don't see the gunshot, you don't see the the graphic you know the head exploding oh no like that it's all off camera it because the folk the camera's focused on the home movies yes and then you, she you see her kind of playing with the gun a little bit and then that's when it goes back to the home movies and then you hear the gunshot then you hear the screaming hear the baby. baby I thought that was an unnecessary moment when I started watching it but once you know later on once you get down the road in the movie I was like oh okay so that was kind of necessary. So, and I think that's something that we do have to give Rob Zombie credit for. I will never give Rob Zombie credit for his dialogue. It's the worst. It's atrocious. But this is something, Rob Zombie actually is a very good storyteller. And he connects his dots and his things, like this moment, pays off in the end. And he he always makes sure to he makes sure that he comes back and he pays off these moments. And I respect that a lot. It's also why I mentioned the Blue Oyster Cult scene. 
You'll have to explain that to me because I'm not sure what you're talking about. Oh, there. good. I mean, yeah, good. Yeah. Good, I will. So now we are finally done the introduction of young Michael in 07 Halloween. I have I have had a birthday <laughs> since this has started. I am older and I am more jaded. Yes, that was overly long, overly long. But I understand what they were trying to do. Yeah. But like you said, the the dialogue for one totally killed it for me. But just it it, it was a little overdone. I do think the same message could have come through at half the time. He should have hired the people who write for Pixar. Because they can... Are you talking about Up? Yeah. Carl and Ellie? Hell yeah. He could have done this in three minutes. (laughs) They had to show John Carpenter how to do it. It would have been so fast. Can I point out something that I do think this overly long and mostly unnecessary introduction does a little better than the original does. We as an audience get closure on Michael's parents. Mom commits suicide. Dad died beforehand. He murdered Ronnie. And the original parents come up, Michael, what happened? What the hell happened to Michael Myers' parents in the original Halloween? What happened to his father in this one? Okay, so remember the sister's doing it with the guy's got his mask on and he's like isn't your dad gonna hear us she stops him and it's like hey he's not my dad my daddy's in heaven oh okay i must over overlook that yeah ronnie's not their dad but no oh, she, i knew ronnie wasn't the dad yeah, no she they go out of their way mid coitus okay yeah. <laughs> i'm Nothing gonna say, like talking about your parents well your yeah. dead parents yeah uh yeah mid coitus i want you to say mid coitus <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it. Emperor Palpatine. Do it. Do it. Do it. Say mid coitus. Do it. Do it, Luke. I'll say it midway through this podcast. I'll hold you to that. (laughs) Joke's on you. But in the original, so we learn what happened. So mom commits suicide. Ronnie's murdered. The dad had died before. In the original, did they were just like, oh, we can't live in this town anymore. And they just move away. And they were like, you know what? F that kid, not our problem. Like, what happens to mom and dad? Yeah, you know that's what happened. They're like, well, our name is spoiled around here. We gotta, we gotta move. We gotta leave. Yeah, and they became the Smiths because mm-hmm. everyone no, they, they kept the name Myers. Oh, did they? They, they just... had another kid, and they just named him Mike, and he went on to have a illustrious Hollywood career. So, you, oh, you're saying they moved to Canada? Yeah, yeah. We're back to the Canadians. <laughs> also, I hate that joke. For everyone who bought it, I hate that joke T-shirt. I hope you have them handy because I hate that joke. I believe that the original's opening gets a lot of points for its effective storytelling. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. It tells the audience what the, what we need to know. I agree, and I give it points for... I don't need to know Michael's backstory. It's better left as a mystery. So now... you. I do agree, but it's worth pointing out. You are now coming in. You are, you are discussing a personal preference. Yes. Yes. You, this is, I feel the whole backstory issue with the, what is it? 2007. Yeah. It's just too serial killer stereotypical mm-hmm. uh, as far as the 76 version is just, it's an evil 
and you don't know why it picked him. You don't know if it was always there and it just erupted or if some outside force came in. It's just a mystery. Mm-hmm. And I like that better. I do agree. I I prefer in this case, right? In this circumstance, I like my monsters with a bit of ambiguity. The Joker, Michael Myers, the alien from it that we didn't need to know was an alien in that opening shot with the stupid spaceship. Predator, another it, thing that we didn't need to know was a stupid alien with a stupid opening shot of the stupid spaceship. We don't need these things. Let your monsters just be. So, are you ready now to talk about my man, Doc Loomis? Or, I call him Sam, because we're so close. Sam. Sam. Sammy. Sammy boy. Sammy boy. Okay. You see that Myers bit up on the pole? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I nailed her. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's that's a a long list, my friend. With that hairdo. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Hey, his hairdo was fine. (laughs) His hairdo wins the Shelly Duvall Award for being... Totally fine. Totally and completely fine. I will say, the hairdo we are introduced to him with is awful. The white hair that he had with the white beard, amazing. I loved it. I'm the exact opposite. Oh. I liked the salt and pepper stylish look, and I disliked the shock white with the thin beard and must No, I... No, young Loomis is where it's at. And I feel like we're blowing past Mr. Pleasance. I love Donald Pleasance. I I like him a lot. I think he does a really good job in this as the character. But I think, so with Pleasance, uh, the original version of Loomis, he is already jaded. He is cynical, and he has pretty much devoted his life to the permanent incarceration of Michael Myers. He now knows that it is his life's mission to make sure Michael never gets out by any means necessary. And I think the other Loomis is that way too after the forking. See, I don't know. I don't think he's because he does eventually retire, which is after the forking. Yeah. And then he goes on to write a book so he can actually make money based off his experiences being Michael's doctor. And then he retired. He did his book thing. And he just told everyone, like, hey, yeah, Michael, just watch that guy. He's real bad. And he went on with his life. Donald Pleasance Loomis, no, his life was Michael Myers. Okay, yeah, you do have a point there. Which Um, is a little odd slash unbelievable, I guess. Because obviously, as a professional, you would reach a point where you're like, this isn't my problem anymore. I just want to move on with my own life. So the the, the Pleasance, the Loomis... In the original. Yeah. His whole thing is he's running up to everyone who will listen. And is just telling them how horrible this person is. And watch out, watch out, watch out. Yeah. That's all he does throughout the entire movie. Yeah. He is beyond oblivious. Because Michael drives by him. Yeah. In the car (laughs) right behind. He's the car that he was literally in. Yeah, moments the, the, with the nurse, the marked car, the marked car that he rode to the asylum with, yeah. with the nurse. He's, so the car drives right by him, right behind him, and then later on, while he's standing outside of the Myers house for the entire evening, several hours for several hours, yes, and he's just finally he looks to the left. <laughs> 
and sees the car and he's like, oh, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, it, you asshole. It does make the question, how long has it been parked there? Yeah. I'm like, did you just now look that direction? Yeah. Like, what have you been looking at the whole time? 07 Loomis isn't screaming to everyone, watch out. He's telling the people that matter. He's told the like he's like I told you guys when he came here about Michael Myers. I told you how dangerous he was. Then he goes to Haddonfield. He goes to the sheriff. He's like, you will sit and you will listen because he is here, and this is why he's so evil. Like he's telling the people that it makes sense to tell. He's not just running down the street like Donald Pleasant, grabbing people and shaking them. And he's like, Michael Myers is home. You know, watch out. I have a note here. Because this is honestly, this is how I felt, and I think I think it uh, it makes sense to me. You you and the audience may disagree. I felt I was drawn to make a comparison to Star Wars with this, because to me, Doctor Lo- I saw that look. Doctor Loomis is to me like Obi Wan. Okay, we have the original Alec Guinness, who's classic. And everyone loves him, but you know, obviously, we we've, we're we're moving on. But the character's still there. We got to get someone else. So the mantle passes to Malcolm McDowell, who has a enormous he has enormous shoes to fill, and he I think he does a great job. He he makes the character his own, while still being true to what the character is to the foundations laid uh, by Pleasance. And I think you know. So we've got Alec Guinness, and then when Ewan McGregor takes over as Obi Wan. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. And to me, um, no disrespect to Alec McGinnis, but to Obi, you and McGregor is my Obi Wan. It's Alec Guinness. Well, not, what did I say? Not McGinnis. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of names coming. <laughs> Loud noises, bright <laughs> lights. I'm confused. I haven't had my medicine in so many days. <laughs> um, no, no, but so to me, you and McGregor is is Obi Wan personally. And so that Alec Guinness versus Ewan McGregor, did I say it right this time? Yes. Okay. But I thought that that kind of relationship as far as two actors sharing a role like that, trying to make it their own and do their own things while being true to that character, uh, is very reminiscent here with Pleasance and McDowell. I don't know. I, I love Donald Pleasance. I love the way he plays the character. And yeah. I, I, oh shit, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't pick as far as I'm not saying you have to pick. Oh, I thought that's what you were asking me. No, I was just saying that these two actors doing the same role. It reminded me of star Wars and their relationship to oh, okay. I the relationship of those two actors going into the role of Dr. Loomis, which even at the time uh, that McDowell was coming in Loomis, that is an iconic role in horror movies. And why, why, what, why was it an iconic role? Donald Pleasance comes at it hard. And then you've got a figure. So he's in one. Then he's in two, where supposedly he oh. and Michael die. Then three is its own thing. But then they both come back in four. Loomis I, is an iconic character because he's in like eight movies. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> and honestly, they're all Donald I, Pleasance. I kind of forgot about the sequels. Yeah. Just for this. So I did. I did 100 forget that Donald Pleasance did come back and play this role, right? And now, but hopefully, he did something more. Probably. I mean, the character-wise, not the actor. They, the character doesn't do anything. 
Oh, yeah. Until the very last minute in the original. He shook all those people, though, and yeah. warned them. <laughs> Michael is coming. Shaking baby syndrome. Shook them. <clears throat> he scared those trick-or-treaters, I think. Um, no, so no, I'm not saying that you have to choose, but I'm just saying I'm looking at it very much like the Obi-Wan comparison of just like you've got two actors. I think they both do a great job, but it's also important to know that our look at, the, at these movies the sequels at this moment in time do not exist. No. Because we're looking at Halloween. Halloweens. As they are as a single movie, which we'll get into later. So, The Escape. Let's jump to The Escape. So, we're not going to say which Loomis we think is better. Which one of the Halloweens win? Okay, if we're looking at the Halloweens and the character of Dr. Loomis, as he stands in just these movies, I give it to 07. Really? 100%. Wow. He does more. We get more of him as a person. We see more of him as a doctor. We see his hunt for Michael more. Donald Pleasance is there sometimes. And you just explained he's an asshole hiding behind a bush for hours. When he and yells he, at those kids. And then he finally just, dis- yeah, yeah, because they're like, no, no, Tommy, you go up and touch the door. The boogeyman lives there. And then he's like, Hey, you kids, move your asses or whatever. He said, he says something like that. He's like, and they freak out and, they, and they're like, the boogeyman. They, he, they freak out and run home, right? And then he finally just decides to turn to the left a little bit. He's like, oh, there's that car I'm looking yeah. for. The whole time he's messing with these kids, he could have been finding Michael so much quicker. So my, my pick of, of 07, Loomis, is not a negative uh, opinion on... 78 Loomis or Donald Pleasance as a performance and actor. We just, in 07, Malcolm McDowell actually gets to do way more and we see the character more and we spend more time with him. We get that time to make that connection. We've, we've talked about this in other movies, how like an avatar, you know, there's 17 characters and then they all start to die. And I do not care because I've spent no time with them. We get time with 07 Loomis. So now, roles reversed. If we have to pick, because we're comparing. Yes. Intro, we gave to uh, 78. 78. Who wins Loomis? I want to give Loomis, Donald Pleasance's Loomis, credit just for the actor. Agreed. And you can. That's fair. But you're, you're not wrong. As far as a character goes... Dr. Loomis in 07 is more fleshed out and he is, he does, he does more. He does, he does do more. Yeah. Yeah. 07 is going to win this one for me. Thank you. So thank you. We got one and one. One and one. All right. Let's go to the escape scene. Okay. (laughs) Folks, this is going to be a long episode. In the original, they're driving up to move Michael to a different hospital. Loomis and the nurse, who didn't get forked, drive up. Then they see a bunch of, of the hospital uh, patients just, like, wandering the grounds. And it turns into, what is going on? The nurse. I wanted to smack her in the head so bad. But why? Do you, it's in the middle of the night. Yeah. It's a freaking rainstorm. And her response when she sees all those inmates, she's like, since when do they let them wander around? Like, what do you think? It's yard day? Like, are you that dumb? 
They want the back 40 cleared by, <laughs> yeah, by the morning. <laughs> They're like goats. <laughs> Make sure you eat all the trash. Like, no. Wait, are you <laughs> suggesting that this, this mental patient hospital is forcing them to eat garbage? <laughs> but she's just all like oblivious as hell. Like, oh. Well, it's nice that they let him out every once Maybe in a while for a nice little stroll. Wait, we have another mental health care professional who's who needs a, mental health who, care. Who is oblivious to everything. Maybe Carpenter was just making an observation on the field at that time. Yeah, and maybe Rob Zombie was like, you know what? They had the dumbass nurse in the original. Might as well bring her back and let her get forked. <laughs> maybe he hated her as much as you do for the same reasons, but, but he had the platform to murder her with a fork. Yeah. So Michael then jumps up to the car. We get Which is cool. We get some part. scary scenes. He attacks the nurse. She doesn't die though. She gets out of the car, freaks out, runs off. Right. To to Loomis. He then gets in the car and drives away. To which I immediately wrote in my notes. How does he know how to drive? He has been in a mental institution since he was ten years old. Well, it's explained when um Dr. Loomis is arguing with Dr. Wynn. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe somebody taught him here, here taught him how to drive. And, and that's, he, and that's all the explanation then, we get is maybe another mental patient taught him how to drive. And then Dr. Loomis gets in the car that he's parked in the handicapped spot and backs out and drives away. There's no time. It was an emergency. There's no time for handicapped people. It's, it's Ronnie not, can <laughs> wheel his chair elsewhere. There's no time. Michael yeah. Myers is free. Michael Myers driving always was just like, really? Mm-hmm. No. 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 <laughs> Not feeling it? No. Okay, so Loomis is on the hunt, and he sees something, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And he gets out of his car, and he looks, and he finds the discarded gown that Michael was wearing at the hospital. Then a little way down the road, we see a truck... Like in the ditch or whatever, oh, this door is when open, he and we at the and we see a booth. we see a yeah, and he, and he's like, oh, I found evidence, and he goes to the phone booth, but we see the a truck in the ditch or whatever, door open, and we see a dead guy in his like undershirt, and now we know how Michael got dressed. Do you know how he knows it's Michael? Well, he found the discarded hospital gown, but he also found. The match book. Oh, the yeah, that's also that's a strip club, right? Probably like where the red his mother used to the work. red rabbit room or whatever it is. That's a hundred percent a strip that's, club. There's the no nurse, way that's not a strip club. The nurse had that in the car when she's smoking the cigarettes. Nurses are paid like crap. But <laughs> but I'm like, why why did Michael need the matchbook? What I don't I don't know. Well, I guess he didn't really need never mind. I'm stupid. Well, we know that. Move on. But that now we know how he's escaped. He got his iconic jumpsuit. He's moving on to Haddonfield. Let's flesh out the very long story of the 07 escape. And let's try Maybe we can be p- more pithy, pithier, and more su- succinct than we were in the, in the opening. We see Michael for a long time in this hospital. He is there a long time in 07. And then he just decides, screw it. I'm going to leave now. He is a giant. 
again, I like this version of, I like this giant Hulk of a man uh, being Michael Myers. I dig that a lot. Yeah. Well, let's get to the whole Michael breakdown. When we break down Michael. Yeah. Okay. So he, so they're transfer. So they're still doing a patient transfer, but they've got him chained up. There's a bunch of guards, bunch of guns on him, but he's a giant monster of a man. So he breaks the chains and then proceeds to kill everyone. He is quick. Yeah. Yeah. He quickly just rips through these guys. When I was watching this, the problem I had with it was all the different actors that were in the, as the guards. Mm -hmm. You had Bill Mosley, who was a, a Rob Zombie guy who played in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, sure. And um, his other movie previous to Halloween, Leslie, Leslie Easterbrook was in this. Okay. She was the female. Oh, yeah. Who sure. played Callahan from Police Academy. Oh, my. <laughs> um, oh wow. Deep yeah. cuts. Yes. Um, and there was the other guy, and I cannot remember his name, but he was also in a Rob Zombie, a couple of Rob Zombie films prior to this. So you're saying that Rob, who casts his wife and everything, also got some of his buddies to play in a minor role? Yes. Shocking. I know. I am shocked by this revelation. It's like Martin Scorsese and Bob De Niro. Don't, I hate Why? Why bring this evil back? No one wants to talk about Bobby Boy De Niro. I hate you. Gotta bring the evil for the evil podcast of Halloween. You know what grossed more than the, either of these movies? That joke. On Golden Pond. <laughs> Let's suck face. You want to bring evil back? Two can play this game. If you don't know what we're talking about, dive into our previous episode so all these references make sense. But he kills all the guards. That's when his old buddy, Danny Trejo, who is the, the old cliche, he's three months from retirement. He's too old for this shit, right? Roger Murtaugh. <laughs> he gets the Murtaugh Award this episode for being too old for this shit. And as soon as he said that he was three months from retirement, you knew. Like, You're dead. Yeah, You're absolutely. Dead. Uh, so he walks in, sees the massacre, turns around, sees Michael, and actually attempts... Instead of being a normal person, just running the hell away as soon as you saw the first corpse. He's like, I can handle this situation. And he tries to handcuff Michael. To which Michael, for a, an extended period of time, tries to drown him. Decides, screw it, this old man can hold his breath for way longer than I thought. And crushes his head with a TV. That, was, that whole part was just way... Way funnier than it should have been to me. Mikey, I was good to I you, man. To you, Mikey. And then... Blah, 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 blah. No. <laughs> but I think... But again, so I guess the idea is it's showing that even... That, that Michael can no longer distinguish or no longer cares about who's good to him and who mistreats him. It's all the same. But we already knew that from when he killed his pet and his family, and the bully. Like, we're, we're treading the same ground here a little bit. Maybe it's Rob Zombie showing that all the treatment that he went through with Loomis didn't work, so that there was no question. Saying, you know, cause, or maybe it made it worse. Or maybe it made it worse. Uh, Retreat I don't know. into your mind, Mikey. Exactly. 
So Danny Trejo finally reaped what he sowed. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, it just it definitely shows that Michael is no longer able or maybe even just willing to bond with anybody or I don't think he's capable I don't anymore. Think he, is either. he can he like I think mentally he cannot establish that kind of connection. It's beyond him at this point. He then walks for an unto- undetermined amount of distance where he goes to a truck stop and we meet Grizzly. Grizzly's uh, back in town, boys. Grizzly's here. I just got it painted. Don't scratch my truck. Grizzly, I ate a big taco deluxe supreme. I got to take a huge shit. Grizzly's in town. <laughs> Watch out. I hated that guy so much. I loved, I loved the fact that Michael remodeled that bathroom with that guy's face. Okay, that guy is a that, that guy is also a big dude, and they get into just a full professional wrestling Donnybrook, and they tear that bathroom stall apart, and it's amazing. I don't even think any of that was gimmicked. I think you just had two big guys who said, "To hell with it, we're gonna do this," and they tore that bathroom apart. Rob Zombie says, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do." Tyler, and when I say action, you're going to kill him, stab him, whatever. You're going to die. And they're like, okay, action. And he's like, we're not going to do that. Hang on. We'll watch this <laughs> they, shit. They went into business for the, he's yeah. like, just keep that camera rolling, boss. Yeah. And they tore that bathroom apart. And it, it is cool. And then got in the in the van and drove off because they didn't want to have to pay for the damages. <laughs> it was filmed on location in an actual truck stop yeah. bathroom. After tearing it apart, they went, oh, this isn't in the budget. And they left. <laughs> Gorilla style. <laughs> Like when Swayze in Point Break, he and his buddies took a, he was buddies with the cameraman. You know this story. No. So in Point Break, Swayze asked the director, let's actually skydive for the skydiving scenes. And he was, the director was like, no, we can't do that. It's too dangerous. Blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't do it. Swayze was an experienced skydiver. Yeah. And his buddy was one of the cameramen and also an experienced skydiver. So they stole a camera. And went skydiving, filmed it themselves, went back, you know, the next day they worked and showed the director the footage. And he's like, this, I mean, this is what we can do. And the director was like, this is amazing. And so that's why when you watch Point Break and you have these amazing scenes that look so good of Swayze skydiving, then it cuts to Keanu, who's clearly like in front of a green screen with a fan under him, (laughs) right? Flailing awkwardly. That's because he was... And the reason Swayze looks so good is because he was actually doing it. And that just straight guerrilla filmmaking. Plus, it was Patrick Swayze. He would look good doing anything. That's true. So I watch Roadhouse, but I, don't, I still don't know what that movie's about. I get lost in the shirtless scenes. <laughs> Although he's not, in my, he's not in my top five. No one will ever beat Mel. In the kilt. Oh, in anything. When they, do you know how many times I have paused the flashing scene? (laughs) (laughs) Magnifying glass in hand so I can get full Mel Gibson right into my, right into my eyes and my brain. Uh, Just inject it straight to my veins so I can get it quicker. But no, so man, that whole truck, getting back to Halloween. Yes. That whole truck stop scene sucks. It's so long and it's so pointless. No one cares. Yeah, you could have done it quick, just like they did in the 78. As much as I enjoy two men that are roughly the same size as Godzilla and King Kong rip a bathroom apart, it doesn't serve enough of a purpose to warrant 
and also Grizzlies in town. Grizzlies home. Grizzly. I took. I got Taco Bell rumbly tumbly, and I got to take a huge. And he's he's commenting about the naked girls in Skank magazine. He's reading while he's taking a dump. Who's looking at porn while you're taking a dump? What is you doing, Grizz? If if they were having a battle between the worst characters, <laughs> either him or Ronnie, I'm like, uh. Because you know that guy beats his wife. That dude. Are you talking about Grizz? Yes. Grizz ain't married. <laughs> Nobody's waiting at home for him to, to return and know when he's not coming back. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody at home. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm sure. I'm sure he has a wife at home. Yeah, I bet he does. Well, I'm sure in the sequel we'll get more backstory on him, too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. The whole Grizzly backstory. Um, so, the escape scene. Give it to the original because it's 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 oh. succinct, effective filmmaking and storytelling. They hit us with all the details we need. He escapes. This is how he gets dressed and gets in his iconic outfit, and we're moving on in minutes from from Michael attacking the guards, killing Danny Trejo, going to the truck stop having a kaiju battle with Grizzly in a bathroom, and then getting the jumpsuit and moving on. It takes forever! <laughs> I give it to the original. As much as I like to watch two professional wrestling-sized guys rip a bathroom apart, it just wasn't worth it. God, you know, the the only gripe I really have in the original is him jumping in the car and driving away. Versus just walking. Versus just walking. I like in 07 how you see how easily he can dismantle that whole security group. Mm -hmm. I like... That trucker put up more of a fight than those armed guards. Armed guards, yeah. With one, one of them had a shotgun. Yeah. And, and succeeded in shooting one of her partners. Yes. <laughs> um, I honestly... Just because of Grizz, <laughs> I would rather see Michael driving away than have to deal with the big shit bucket that is Grizz. And his big shit. And his big shit. And the overly long Trejo kill. And the dialogue. <clears throat> hey, brother, it's going to be a few minutes in here. I got a Taco Deluxe Supreme not sitting well. So why don't you come back later and give me some peace while I drop this load? I'm like, no, I hate all this. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, 78's got it on the escape. Yeah, it does. I don't, do we just, do we fast forward into the kills slash the, the rest of the movie? Or do we, do you want to break down more characters? Oh, we have to break down Lori. Okay, so now we're in Haddonfield and Lori's not a baby anymore. Jamie Lee Curtis Laurie is legendary for all the right reasons. 07 Laurie is insufferable, and I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. She is the most unbelievable, annoying little bitch, and I hate her. Okay, well, that was a quick breakdown. Yeah, I got it. Done. Next. Um, I like... That they got the same, they use the same character, or the same actress, rather, to play Judith It's not Myers. Jamie Lee Curtis. No, not <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. I liked it in the 07 version. Okay, yeah, yeah. I liked that they got the same actress to play Judith Myers and Laurie Strode. 
Were you not aware of that? What? No, I guess. So in 07, the actress who's the sister is then also Lori. Right. Okay. I got lost in what you were saying. Yeah, because they have that. She is the sister. Yeah. No, I didn't catch that, but that's cool. Yeah. So it is the exact same actress. I'm fine with that. But as far as, you know, there's no replacing Jamie Lee Curtis. Ooh, mommy, Mr. Perkins at the hardware store likes to touch me dirty and rubbing the bagels on her boobs. I'm like, what are you? No one does this. What is this dialogue? What are you talking about? I hate you so much. And it only gets worse when she's with her friends. Because remember, Annie comes over late. She's like, you need a boyfriend. She's like, I don't need a boyfriend. And then Annie's like, no, you need a boyfriend and like grabs her by the leg and pushes her and begins dry humping her and they both start making moaning sounds and and not jamie lee curtis laurie strode is like <laughs> she's like you're right i do need a boyfriend and air quotes like she's just like yeah i need to get laid da 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 also there are two 10 year olds watching this whole weird display that would never happen what is this scene what is this dialogue what are these interactions rob zombie apparently lives in a bubble by himself but has never seen actual human people talk or interact ever for any reason so we're giving it to uh, 78 <laughs> I'm giving it to 78 Laurie Strode, yes. <laughs> Wait, if you disagreed, you could just say so you didn't have no. to fire projectiles at me in the studio. What is the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> my, my pin broke. Conveniently, and the broken shrapnel flew right in my face. Oh. Not 100% was aimed and intentional, and I don't have to take this. <laughs> I can get abused at home, like any member of the Myers family. Can I, real quick, can I make just a point sure. to everyone listening? Everyone is so afraid of disagreement. Like, it's this negative thing, right? Because we live in a, in a, in a society, in a culture, in a time where we naturally think disagreement as argument or fight because we, and that's the big, that's a big capital W we as in everyone have become so ignorant to the fact that disagreement shouldn't lead to a fight. It should lead to discussion that all participants can then learn from. And we move on together with a higher order of thinking so disagreement is not negative it's how we learn i wasn't disagreeing with you but you attacked me with a pen, I attacked <laughs> you with a pen. there wasn't anything valid from the character of laurie in 2007 mm -hmm. that would dethrone just jamie lee curtis no because think just about as her portrayal of the character and the character itself in the 2007 she is such an innocent wholesome good person Exactly. And she doesn't she doesn't feel like a teenager, even though she's supposed to be. Like those other ones feel like they turned thirteen. Right. Or fourteen. Yeah. But I get but okay, so so my personal, you know, emotion filled tangent aside, what is the character of Lori Strode? She's responsible. 
She's honest. She's hardworking, right? She's that all-American girl next door. And Jamie Lee Curtis portrays that so authentically. Now, granted, the writing, the directing, you know, in it all, everyone is on the same page with who this character is and how they and how she should be portrayed. The 07 one is all over the place. She's making these weird, uncomfortable sexual jokes to any her her parents, her, parents. her friends, in front of small children. But she's also supposed to be this, like, she's supposed to be a virgin, right? But, like, if she, air quote, needs a boyfriend, like her friend Annie says in their weird wall dry humping part, like, if she if she is experienced, I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but if she is experienced, she wouldn't be this awkward about it. And she wouldn't be this awkward about talking to boys like Laurie Strode is, or at least is supposed to be. You know, some of that innocence and some of that naivety would not exist anymore it would be gone and i think they were playing way too much into the teenage angst of it where the oh, the 78 lori was more of a responsible nurturing uh character yeah when she's with her friends she and still felt she, yeah. like a kid she felt like the responsible one of the right. group but she still fit where this one it fall there it's especially for writers doesn't matter if books TV, movie, plays, whatever. It is really hard for writers, because we're all adults, to write dialogue for teens and kids, especially teens. Because we think we know how they talk. We think that we remember how we talked at that age, and we don't have a clue. It's not even close. The only people, and they're few and far between, who successfully pull off writing dialogue for the younger generations like that, that's because they have kids, or they have grandkids who are that age, and they go out of their way to pay attention to those kids or grandkids' conversations. Not to snoop, or pry, or be nosy, but to learn how they talk, so they can then authentically portray it in their work. They are researching if you were to be like, Jake, for your next book, write, you know, a dialogue with teens. Well, technically speaking, I could do it, but it would be crap because I don't know how kids talk anymore. I also have had six concussions. I barely remember how I talked when I was say If you were to be like verbatim, write down a conversation you had with your friends in high school. I couldn't. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. I almost gave you a concussion here a little bit ago. I know. I took my eye out. Thank God I have glasses on. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving it to Lori on that. Yeah. The 07 or the 78. 78 Lori. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to say, I want to do Michael last. Yeah. He's our last, last. He's our last character profile. I feel like we should end with him. So we go into, you know, Michael's now in Haddonfield. He's stalking Lori. Um, and this is where Rob Zombie plays it very true to the original. We get a lot of the exact same scenes done the same way. Even some of that original dialogue comes back. Uh, which I enjoyed. Um, and I think that also just robs love of the movie, but that's why Carpenter and Hill still get their writing credits in 07. In the original, Michael kills a dog, kills both friends, kills Linda's boyfriend, Bob, Bob, on his hunt for Lori, because for whatever reason, he's, a, he's obsessed. He becomes obsessed and has that attachment uh, with Lori. 
Isn't it because he's Caesar dropping the key off or that paper off or whatever at the house and that's it? That's their first encounter. You know, that's the first time he sees her. But is that enough to, tr- you know, was it her, the act of her dropping the key off or was it just he saw her almost like a love at first sight? He saw her and for some reason a connection was made. She was the target. We don't really know why, but that's also part of the ambiguity that makes Michael Myers Michael Myers. We don't know. No one knows except Michael. It's almost like, why did that serial killer target that specific person? Right. Only, only they know. So in 78, he killed, he has how many? Okay. So I do have a death count. Okay. So total deaths in the 78 Halloween six that counts the family dog. I counted the dog six kills. Judith Myers, Guy in the truck, dog, Lori's two friends, and Bub. That's it. Okay. That's I, it. In 07, he kills that many people at the hospital to escape. Total kills in the 07, 22. Now, uh, that 22 counts Elvis the rat. Okay. It counts Loomis, who, if we're going on just this movie, he attacks and kills. It does not count the friend Annie, the brunette. She didn't die. She didn't die. No. Her dad got to her. The ambulance got there. And as far as we can tell, we are left believing she made it. So it doesn't count her. But 22 deaths total in 07. I think in this case, less is more. Go on. There are more important characters that he kills. There, there's no obvious red shirts that just stack numbers. Right. And I think that's what 07 does a lot. Do you think Danny Trejo is a red shirt? I think. <laughs> I think uh, Leslie Easterbrook is a red shirt. <laughs> I think it's just a little over the top. Yeah. That's fair. Because. Well, well I don't. To me, it's difficult, right? Because. Is he just a soulless, remorseless, emotionless killing machine? Because if he is, then 07 does it right. But if we're to believe that he isn't that, but he does acquire targets, then it makes more sense for less is more because he's killing the characters that are in his periphery to get to Lori. For me, it's why. It's not the number so much as the reason. Well, even in 07, he he only kills to get what he wants. And mm-hmm. he wants to get back to Lori in 07 because that's his sister. Yeah. So even when he goes to her house and he finds out she's not there, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. So he kills the parents. And, you know, to escape the to get out, to get to his sister, he has to kill all the guards, obviously, to get out. So I think they're one and the same. And maybe I'm just not remembering all of the the kills that he did. Well, I don't think there was a wasted one. Like he didn't just go out of his way to kill someone randomly. Right. Yeah. He just didn't walk. He's not just walking down the street, you know, and all of a sudden. Step, step. And then. Yeah. That doesn't come till later. (laughs) Yeah. In the, in the franchise. Yes. So wait, are we giving it a tie? No, I'm going to go with. You're still uh, going less is more. I'm going to go with 78 because the characters are more important. You spend more time with these characters. 
Some of them barely. barely. Bob, Bob. <laughs> but you know, I the the glasses, Bob. I love the glasses. And he gets impaled to the wall. In both, he gets impaled to the wall. Yeah. And yeah, the glasses ghost bedsheet thing. And... Yeah, and I I do like in 07 how they they played that, where you see the ghost with the glasses coming down, and you're like, oh shit, I know what this is. Yeah. And then he comes. Michael comes out of the quarter and like. Grabs it just like side tackles side him, tackles you know. Him. Yeah, that off was, screen. I love that. That was great. I love that homage and uh, playing on our expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think the '78 one takes it just because you're spending more time with the characters that he takes out, and you really feel a little bit more for them. I think for most of them, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Because once he once he gets to Haddonfield. I feel like it's pretty even as far as who he's killing and the amount of time we have with them versus the 78 version. But man, he has a lot of cordwood to stack before we get to that point. And that's, that's the best way I could think of to put it. We just have these nothing throwaway characters that are only there to pad the numbers. It's like Gretzky, you know, was stepping out onto the ice but they brought up like a minor league team, but they were, ca- they were the, the record keepers were still counting it for everyone's personal stats. So he just went, I am going to dump on these guys. <laughs> they, they pulled the goalie <laughs> and, and he just blows past everyone. Right. So given that, yeah, that's fair. I can agree with 78 because again, in my mind, his kills in 78 and then the second half of 07 are essentially the same. So yeah, does does him killing everyone else less? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm real on the fence. To me, it's even. I would give it more or less a tie. I think. So if you're saying 78, there's the point. Let's go into, I guess the ending. That's kind of it's kind of where we're at. The big iconic ending in 78. He's been terrorizing Lori all through this house. He's trying to kill her. Loomis comes in at the last second because he looked to his left finally. 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 Looked Jesus. to his left and saw people freaking out and screaming about the boogeyman. And... Move your head. You're not Batman. <laughs> Poor Michael Keaton. Huh? <laughs> Full shoulder turn. What? Is, is crime happening? I can't see behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's blind spot. Enormous. In 78, he's chasing Lord Dundee. Loomis comes in and then he lights Myers up because we know from most of the movie Loomis is packing finally does something and and he lights Myers up and he falls off the balcony and then he's consoling Lori Lori hits him with was that the book I love this line this is great was that the boogeyman and he's consoling her and he's like yes dear I do believe it was as a matter of fact as a matter of fact it was what a fantastic line yeah and then he goes and looks over the railing gone and Michael, there's the imprint in the grass, and he's just gone. And then the music hits, and you see Lori start crying more. And the way it's cut, you're not really sure. It doesn't look like she got up to see that he was missing, right? But in my mind, Loomis said something, or she saw, but he's not dead. He's gone. Meaning, it could it could not be over. Yeah. And she, now she's... And then... We just get the still camera shots of all the different locations we've been, and they're all dark. And he could be hiding behind every corner. Did you hear the breathing? Yeah. I through the mask. That, through the mask. I caught that periodically throughout mm-hmm. the ending scenes. But once you get to that final shots of all the 
different still shots and you could hear the breathing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. And it's just this, it's not over. And he can be anywhere. At any time. Fantastic. 07. So, the, again, you, we talked about how when he kills Bob with the ghost sheet, they play on that, right? So we see the balcony. And it looks like, you know, Loomis, you know, oh, yeah, this is where Loomis shoots him and he falls off or whatever. But Laurie starts to, or Laurie has the gun at this point. Yes, because Loomis is dead. Loomis is dead. Because he crushes Loomis' skull. Right. Finger in the eyes, there's blood coming out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got the gun. Michael sees she has the gun, drops his weapon and rushes her and tackles her. But then as they fall, he turns so she lands on him. Which we'll get into when we talk about Michael specifically, but this confused me a little bit. Lori then gets the gun, is pulling the hammer back and trying to shoot him, but it's click, 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 click. She's, she's trying to finish him. His hand comes up, grabs her wrist. There's a brief struggle. Gunshot. Hysterical screaming and crying. As now, she's sprayed in blood. Exactly what happened as a baby, when her mother shoots herself, and then the the screen cuts to the home videos, and it all ties back in together. Okay. I didn't catch it that way. Oh, how did you? Okay. How did? Lay it on me. No, I honestly, I just caught it as somebody finally shot him in the head. Right. <laughs> and because this whole time, everybody, oh, I'll, I'll wing him, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but no, finally, somebody shot him in the head, which they do later in from the 78 sequels on. Yeah, but apparently that doesn't matter. They do in, <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently in this movie, it doesn't matter either because of Halloween 2. Yeah, but that movie does not, as as of this conversation, that movie does yeah, not exist. No, that doesn't exist. But that's, honestly, I didn't catch that. That's, I, I just took it as she's trying to kill him and the gun goes off and she gets sprayed with blood and it's over. Right. No, it, it does. Zombie right, yeah. loops it back. To when Mama Myers kills herself and Lori, you know, 17 years on, but is right back in that. And it's her screaming and crying, just like the baby. It's the home movies again. It all comes back. That that reminds me, you asked when I mentioned Blue Oyster Cult. Right. And you didn't know what the hell I was talking about. When in 07, he goes up to kill his sister. She's in bed listening to Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Okay. Flash forward 17 years when Linda and Bob are doing it. They, instead of doing it at an empty friend's house that Michael's in, like in the original, they go to the Myers house. That is their regular spot to do it. They're in Judith's room. They have sex. Bob leaves, gets killed. Linda is listening to Blue Oyster Colts. Don't fear the Reaper when Michael comes in. It all plays back again. I did not catch that. Yeah. I don't find that believable because teenagers at that time would not be listening to Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, we're listening to Godzilla, (laughs) the clear and present winner of the Blue Oyster Cult song library. I don't know what that is. You've never heard Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla? No. It's a song about literal Godzilla. He picks up a bus and he throws it back down. That sounds terrible. He tears the city's high suspension wires down. Godzilla! Oh. Okay. Your homework is now to listen to Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla. I, I've, <laughs> I have heard that. I have heard that. And yeah, no, I don't. 
I don't like that song. But yeah, Loomis is dead, and Laurie shoots him, and then it all plays back to earlier in the film. Okay. Well, that changes my opinion about the ending. And Michael is dead. However, 78 is a better ending. Oh, all around. Because where the hell did he go? And then the shots of just, look at all these dark areas where he could be. Not only is the ending better in the 78 version, but from the moment Lori leaves the house that she's babysitting to go next door, Mm -hmm. from then all the way on is better. Just because it has so many iconic shots, so many... You know, she's terrified. She just saw her friends, you know, dead bodies. And then she leans up against the wall and the black doorway, the dark doorway, rather. And then you see his white mask mm-hmm. behind it. And you're like, oh, shit, right there behind you. That's Yeah, that's that's a great shot. That is a great shot. And then the closet scene when she ties, you know, ties the door of the closet and is hunkered down. Mm-hmm. And... World's strongest closet <laughs> door. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. This guy just busted through the kitchen door. Right. But it, these little panels are giving him a fuss. Oh, seven, uh, Michael would have just ripped that off with his teeth and been yeah. done with it. He'd have looked at it. And yeah. Like, <laughs> it have crumpled. I'm opening. But him, you know, tearing apart the closet door and she stabs him with the hanger. Mm-hmm. And that whole part is really cool. And then she thinks she's finally killed him and he's laying there and he sits up like the Undertaker. Yeah. You know, that. Well, uh, technically, the Undertaker and Kane were sitting up like Michael Myers. Yeah. So that, I mean, from that part on, oh seven doesn't have a chance. I don't know if I would I would go that far. Because once Lori, in 07, once Lori finds Annie, and they, I'm, don't worry, baby, I'm going to call the ambulance, baby. I'm like, why are you calling your friend baby? That's weird. No one talks like that. But from that point on, and it's just Lori, and there's like, there's no, there's virtually no dialogue. There isn't a few spots, but it's very limited. And it's just them and the chase is on is gripping. I found that gripping. It's good. So I mean, I like it. To say no chance, I disagree. But there's no name one really cool shot in any of that. Like when she's in the ceiling crawl space. So Michael just grabs a giant board and begins tearing the ceiling down. That's pretty cool. That went on way too long. Well, that's the story of the entire 07 <laughs> Halloween, is it goes on way too long, but it was still a cool moment. Yeah, but nothing like the moments that have in 78. That's fair. I mean, I... But that's the hunt and the chase and da-da-da, and, and which... If we if we were to try to break down every kill for both movies... Oh, no. I got work in the morning, man. I ain't got time in <laughs> shit, right? Um... But no, ending just for the haunting unknown, right? The mystery of it. The Even me as the viewer, like people leaving the theaters had to be like, what the hell? Is he going to be waiting for me out in my car? Like, are people like, I got to walk home after that? Are you kidding me? Right? Or it's like, oh, cool. Now I'm just in my house at night and it's dark. And I'm left with this open door in my mind that Michael Myers is still out there. Yeah. Cool. Now I'm going to be afraid forever. Thank you. Right. But it's a better ending. But Rob Zombie crafts a very solid, definitive ending and how it plays 
as a part of his story, how it connects to the story he has told throughout is a very effective ending. And it does well for the movie that he made and for the story he made. So I'm not going to dump on it. I'm not going to say there's no chance. It's, it's, there's a discussion that can be had, but I do agree that the original ending is haunting. Okay. So original wins. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you're so succinct and you're like, no, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> you just it's amazing, amazing content as I'm just, I'm just going I, on I, about I, nothing. I said my piece. Okay. You, you give me as much feedback and general discussions as my wife. Before we get to Michael, he's our last big piece. I want to go over, because I did the math, so we're talking about it, damn it. <laughs> I did the math and we're going to talk about it. We talked kill counts, six versus 22. In the beginning, we talked about budgets and worldwide gross uh, from the box office, like we do with all of our movies. Before, I always just leave it there, right? We're talking about a movie from 86 or whatever. Here's what it took to get made. Here's what it brought in. But we're comparing these. So I thought I would do my due diligence because it's not fair to say, well, in 78, John Carpenter spent $325,000 and in 07, it took Rob Zombie $15 million to tell his version of the same story. 1978 money and 2007 money are not the same money, right? Just a tad. Now, here we are looking at it in 23, which is not the same money as either of those time periods. So I converted the budget and the worldwide gross of both films to today's 2023 money so we can have an actual accurate comparison. If both films were made today, here's the number breakdown. I'm interested to hear this. John Carpenter, in today's money, spent $1.5 million to make Halloween. He grossed $221.79 million. That's an almost 300% profit. Damn. Rob Zombie spent $22.2 million and grossed 119 million in between four to five times the money back. So certainly not a commercial flop by any means, but I think this goes into Carpenter being a very effective storyteller and director, knowing how long you need to tell this part of the story, making those cuts, filming sometimes as little as needs to be filmed where Rob Zombie really took his time and man, did he take his time. <laughs> took his time for everything. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons the story is set in one night. That way they saved on costume changes. Because there then, aren't any. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they're like, oh, well, shit, if we're going to do it one night, why not do it Halloween night? Okay. Mm -hmm. Hey, Halloween. Yeah. Winner. John Carpenter is a very smart director. And he's not afraid to edit himself down. And I think that's an issue a lot of people have. James Cameron. Well, that's a lot of thing <laughs> issues that, you know, you, you, you make something and you're like, oh, man, I really, really like this particular thing. I want to make it work. I want to fit it in somehow. And a lot of the smart filmmakers know some of the good stuff has to hit the floor. There, you know? it, it's the same in filmmaking, but in, in writing, there's a very dark expression. For our purposes, I'm going to say it's you have to kill your favorites. It's not favorites in the in the actual expression. It's children oh. Oh. or kids where you have to know just because you love a line of dialogue 
or you love a scene or you love a battle sequence or a, a love sequence or a, you know, an entire character sometimes. And they're your favorite. Cool. But during the editing process, you have to ask yourself, what is it adding to the plot? And if it's not adding enough or anything, doesn't matter if it's your favorite, it's got to go. If you're not aiding your plot, it gets cut. You have to kill your favorites. Same goes for filmmaking. And not everyone can do that. No, and it does a couple of things. It, it helps with the budget, obviously. Mm-hmm. It also helps with the runtime. So you don't have a 24-minute long sequence that... Pacing. The guy previously did it in seven. Right. And then when your audience isn't just sitting there going, why is this scene still going? Yeah. I don't care. So as far as money spent versus money brought in, there's no discussion. It's math. Numbers don't lie. Carpenter wins by a landslide. This is the only debate where I'm like, landslide victory. Cost 1.5, brought in 221. There you go. The the only defense I would have for that would be Carpenter's was the obviously the original. Nobody had ever seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. So everybody was flocking to it versus Rob Zombie's is the remake of the original. But there's been so many copycats after the original Halloween that people are just kind of like, oh, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. You would know better than I do. But at this in 07, when he's doing this, as a director, Rob Zombie's pretty hot right now uh, in this had, period of time, is he not? He had done The House of a Thousand Corpses. I remember in, in horror movie circles, that was a hit. And then the the sequel to that, which I... The, name, the Devil's Rejects? The Devil's Rejects, yep, yes. That was you. big. And then this was his third film. His third, yeah. He was writing a pretty high horse as yeah. far as directing horror movies at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen the two previous. I've seen both of them, and yeah. I enjoyed both of them, even though Devil's Rejects is kind of Thelma and Louise a little <laughs> bit, but do they drive into the canyon holding hands at the end? Or are they just they might as might as well have nice, but it's a good solid movie, mm-hmm. and he does really good camera work in everything yeah. that I've ever seen. But after Halloween two, I kind of stayed away from his movies. That's just, fair. Just didn't really click with me anymore. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, was he doing a remake? Yes. But I remember there was buzz about it. People were fairly excited about it. He was still riding high. He had a couple of successes. People were excited to see what he could do. Um, So I don't know, to your point about the original no one had ever seen versus the remake, that played a hand in, in everything, but I don't know if it was as detrimental well, plus two, everybody gives remakes, not everybody, but a lot of people give remakes a hard time. Like, come up with an original idea. Uh, oh, yeah. Is, you know, well, you got to rehash the stuff that's already been done. You know, coming up with something new is not easy. Well, technically, if you're... It's impossible. I was going to say, if you're going to come up with something 100% yeah. brand new and original, it's not possible. No. So the, the stigma, and I think he, he even mentioned he's not doing a remake, he's doing a reimagining. But mm. everybody is still like, no, it's a remake. But that was also coming on the heels of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did a remake. Yeah. I think Friday the 13th was either in the process or it had already came out. That's right. We were in a we were in the middle of a, a horror round. remake storm. Platinum Dunes was like, let's just churn this shit out. Yeah. You know, they did the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Mm-hmm. And I think people were either just kind of tired of it. Yeah. Or getting close. There was definitely fatigue. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But still, 
okay, John Carver spent 1.5 million. Rob Zombie spent 22. That has nothing to do with fatigue or original versus remake or <laughs> that's Brad Dorf's salary right there. <laughs> I mean, you gotta if you want Danny Trejo in your movie, yeah. you pay Danny I Trejo. Mean, Sheriff Brackett needs to calm down. <laughs> he's got he's got that Chucky money. He doesn't need Sheriff Brackett money. To be fair, if we were breaking down Sheriff Brackett, oh seven wins. Oh, easily. Yeah, okay. Yeah, easily. So now the moment everyone's been waiting for, we're breaking down Michael. I'm only counting adult masked jumpsuited Michael fing Myers. Right. Like this is where we're at. Yeah, he's the only one that matters. So nobody cares about the kid. We'll touch on what you want to touch on, right? And talk about if it's their scenes or whatever. I don't feel myself wanting to talk about like specific scenes because we've been that. I want right. to try to break down the character, kind of like we did with Laura. We did a decent job, decent enough job with that. Who slash what is Michael Myers, right? In 78, Loomis, it, <laughs> holding nothing back, describes him as pure evil. He is evil incarnate. Even during well, Michael's stint in the hospital, uh, Loomis says he didn't talk. He just stared at the wall, but he wasn't staring at the wall. He was staring past the wall to his goal, to his purpose, waiting for a silent alarm to trigger him. Well, even in the ride up to the hospital with the nurse, he refers to Michael as it. Correct. Yeah. And she's like, can't we call him, you know, him or whatever she says. And if you like. Yeah. He, hit, he <laughs> hits like, her with an if you like. Yeah. Because he doesn't, because Michael has no humanity. He's not a person. He's a thing. He's a monster. He's the shape. He's the shape. Whereas in 07, he is this amalgamation of nature and nurture coming together to create this abomination, uh, which uh, we see a lot of. We see a lot of it happening. Very textbook. Um, so yeah, it's done a little ham fisted at times but overall it's still done well well enough i want to touch on something that both movies talk about okay. in their own ways both movies actually talk a lot about fate uh in 78 Lori is in class and michael's staring at her through the window right great shot but they're they're discussing two different philosophers and their writings about fate when oh, that the, scene is going the on, the teacher is okay, and and she's discussing about how uh, Samuel's is, see, I believe, I believe it's Samuel's is discussing how fate is an element like fire and water and air. It's all around us. It's in us. It's everywhere, and how it silently and invisibly connects all at people, places, times, events. And now Michael's out there. He's staring at her, and. The web of fate is connected. Lori and Michael and everyone in their immediate periphery. And in 07, it's not as blatantly discussed, but Loomis in 07 is like, he's going to come home. Just like in 78, he, Michael is coming home. And there's a reason. But then when Mama Myers kills herself, the sheriff, first Sheriff Brackett, first one on the scene. He tells Loomis how he didn't want the baby to live with the stigma of all this. Omits her from the reports, takes her to a different town, drops her off in an emergency room, and leaves. 
three months later, his friend, Mr. Strode, and his wife adopt a child. And he find, and the sheriff finds out it's her. Fate is at work. I loved that whole aspect of that yeah. 07 part. That Because they tried to connect Michael and Lori from the 78 as being brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And they, it, it was in the sequel, and they didn't do a very good job. Well, the original, there is no family connection. No, but in, they actually did it. What they did for TV, mm-hmm. they reshot some scenes and tried to make that connection. But that was after two had come out. Was that it was not? while they were filming two, right? Because w- it was being shown on television. Mm-hmm. Because it's you know in the seventies and eighties we didn't have streaming services, so right. Um, but that was still that was an. That was a thought that the yeah it was an afterthought that that was a connection that not John Carpenter was and Deborah Hill were making they were just like well if we make this people are gonna be like well why didn't come up in the originals and now they're trying to Try. force that connection yeah it, and it always did feel forced right this one was very fluid and it worked really well mm-hmm. and so I li- I really enjoyed the way that both movies play on fate whether you believe in fate or not you know that's that's a discussion for another time, but both movies are playing on this idea of fate tying everyone together. And in one, it's a little more ambiguous about fate, but they talk about, but it's a little more ambiguous. Whereas in Rob Zombie, he does such a good job in his storytelling of the viewer can see the strands of fate and how they're connecting and why they're connecting. And it's so good. And I, I can't give Rob Zombie enough credit for this, which is odd because this movie is, is what it is. And I think it's rated a little too low. I think people are overly harsh on it. Oh yeah. But once I the agree. movie enters its second act and Michael's hunting for Lori and there's not a lot of dialogue, I need to stress that not a lot of dialogue, Rob Zombie's storytelling through actions and connections to earlier parts in the film, just his way of his uh, to make everything fit together. His vision of the puzzle is so good. Seeing Michael give chase to Laurie in 07, it's more cunning than I think people realize. And I refuse to let our, this conversation end without bringing it up. In 78, it's the classic monster versus survivor girl. And he's hunting her and we right. get all the iconic scenes, the face in the dark, him tearing through the closet. You know, it, it's iconic. You can't, you can't argue it. And in Rob Zombie's, though, Michael's killing everyone in the periphery. He kills her adoptive parents because they're not her family. He's her he family. But they don't say that. He kills her friends. Friend, what, what's a friend? They're just someone who's in your way. He gets rid of them. He's saving, in a way, he's saving his sister and he's going for her. And it looks like he's going to kill her, but that's not, that's not what this is about. It's about a reunion. He finally gets her. What's he do? He picks her up. She ends up passing out from terror because I can only imagine just <laughs> sensory <laughs> overload of pure fear, right? But he lovingly carries her, air quote, home to the Myers house. Yeah. And then shows her that picture. And then she's like, you know, she sees dead Linda. That didn't help things. Not helping <laughs> yeah. his case. A little awkward. But, but also he, what's also down there in the basement, his mother's tombstone. This is an important distinction. In 78, he steals his sister's tombstone. 
I don't really know why. It's one of those things where you're like, man, what is he thinking? It's not like distractingly odd or out of place, but it's never it's never really brought up. Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But in Rob Zombies, he steals his mother's and replaces it with an effigy headstone of his own, of the cross sticks with the fox or coyote or whatever yeah. it is splayed out on it. He makes her his own headstone. And then takes hers and puts it in the house. Because that's his only other positive family connection. He can be with her. He can mourn her. Right? That's why he does it. Bullshit, though. I gotta call this out. Straight bullshit. In 07, they talk about how, you know, kids must have done it, blah, blah, blah. And Loomis is like, no, this this wasn't kids. This was Michael Myers. And the cemetery keeper is like, this thing is half a ton You're telling me one man stole a half-ton headstone? And now all brakes are pumping for me. Because I'm like, wait a minute. In 07, he's a monster of a person. But he's still a person. He did not remove a 1,000-pound headstone out of the ground and lug it down the street to his childhood home. Not, it didn't happen. And even if it did... He would have been seen by everyone. Because <laughs> he'd be like, oh, duh, huh. <laughs> he gives himself a hernia moving this fucking rock. Maybe he hired some movers. I'm trying to watch my leg a bit so rich. Yeah, right. And my <laughs> wife was like, maybe he had tools. I don't care if he had a crane. He, one man did not move this headstone and no one see. Tangent over. But Michael steals the headstone. It's down there with her. And then he sees he and Lori are down there. She's like, what do you want? Who are you? Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. He drops his knife. He pulls the picture out and he, he shows it to her, but she's not really looking. And he's like, look at this. You know, he's not talking, obviously, but he's really forceful in his gesture of like, look at this picture. And she sees it. And we see that it's the picture that Michael's mother gave him to give him comfort while he was in the hospital of young Michael and baby Lori. And then what's he do? He gets down on his knees and sits on his heels, shoulders slumped over, head down, and he takes his mask off. She's the only person he has ever done that for in 15 years. Because he loves his baby sister. That spark of humanity still exists. That thread of hope still exists. But he cannot speak. He cannot articulate it in any meaningful way, especially to Lori, who's freaking out over everything that's happened for, to be fair, obvious reasons. All Lori sees is the knife in the ground or on the ground, and she's trying to get it. And she's like, you know, I want to help you. I want to understand what you're trying to tell me, but I don't. How can I help you? She's trying to placate him. While she's going for the knife. And this is, for me, I'm watching this, and I this was some heavy stuff. I this was For me, this was genuinely heartbreaking. He's trying. His last thread of humanity, his last thread of hope, his last thread of being a person that no one knew about except him. And he either didn't or couldn't tell anyone. He's trying to get her to understand. She can't, doesn't, whatever. Gets the knife justifiably defends herself, stabs him like the clavicle. He goes down, and she continues her escape. He gets up, rips the knife out, 
puts the mask back on. And in that moment, Lori and Michael Myers are both damned to hell. In that moment. Fate worked its way to shred any hope either of them had. And it's heartbreaking. It is genuinely heartbreaking. You're not wrong. That was really good stuff. I I enjoyed that entire interaction between those two. Yeah. And I never had anything like that at all in not only 78, but any of the ones going forward. Because it, it, it's Rob Zombie deserves credit. He can tell a story. He can't write dialogue, but there's very little dialogue. This is all story that the groundwork was laid out in the beginning. We get snippets and and, and it doesn't beat us over the head. But the presence of this of it is known throughout, and now here's our payoff. And he's so good at this. We get our payoff. And fate is a fickle bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and Lori Stat doesn't understand. Yeah. What could have been different if he could have told her, or if she had realized what was happening in that moment? And it, it's that is some heavy stuff. Oh, seven. Michael Myers is a little deeper than way 78. Deeper. Way deeper. This movie has a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's unfair. That's a Six out of unfair. 10 on IMDb. That's fair. If, the, if Rotten Tomatoes had this in the 50 to 60 range, no complaints. But this movie is deeper, way deeper than anyone gives it credit for. And that's a crime, which is why we're doing this. I will sit here and I will do this. I will not let this go unanswered. You have this either tortured soul who, in that moment, once the knife goes in, all possible hope of having a connection with anyone is lost. Michael Myers becomes the shape. shape. Whereas in 78, he's always been the shape. Yeah. As soon as he jumps in the car and... Exactly. Smashes that window with the wrench in his palm. and (laughs) Yeah, that we can see. Yeah. Just that aspect of it, of the character, 07 has got it, mm-hmm. hands down. Also, when you think of what, you, when you try to picture Michael Myers, 07 is a better mental picture oh, the, of just, this behemoth. Just the physical appearance yeah. of him? Oh, every part of it. Yeah. From the mask is cooler, the the towering and massive man that he is. Man Mountain. My God. <laughs> he... Even without the mask, if his hair was slicked back and you could see his face, he would still be a terrifying human. Oh, yeah. But with all of that, and even when you he does have the mask off and you see the hair in his face mm-hmm. and he's just slumping along in the hospital, he's frightening. Yeah. yeah. So terrifying. I couldn't imagine seeing him stalking you in the street with all the get up. Oh, no, I pooped my pants. I would be unable to run away from the amount of feces filling my pants. Yeah, so, um, yeah, as far as physical appearance, 07. Yeah. So now I'm going to contradict myself, because I said in the beginning, I like the ambiguity of 78 Michael Myers. But ambiguity isn't the character trait. Ambiguity is how the story of the character is told. I think 07 Michael Myers is a better Michael Myers, and that's where my vote is. 07 has a better Michael. If we're talking about just the adult Myers. Yeah, that's what we're talking that's about. That's what I thought. The shape, yes. right? 
I like the 07 or the, excuse me, the 78, the mystery of his, of his background, not yeah. knowing it. The, the fact that he is just evil mm-hmm. just because. Yeah. Um, but as far as the story goes with the sympathy that we do kind of have for him, which I never thought I would have when he does become the shape, when he, she stabs him mm-hmm. and just his physical appearance, the physical appearance alone wins. That's what we, if, if 78 Michael and 07 Michael entered the cage, oh yeah, 07 Michael would eat him for lunch. 07 Michael would rip every limb and then beat him with <laughs> that limb and then rip off the next limb yeah. and beat him to death. Mercilessly. So the physical appearance wise, 07 has it as a character, as a whole, man, 07, I think, mm-hmm. I think 07 definitely has it. So do I. We set our ground rules for this, and now I'm going to break some of our ground rules. Okay, that's what we do. As a movie viewing experience, the ambiguity lent itself to a better movie in its entirety. Rob Zombie took us on an emotional journey, and that's that second half when the chase is on. From the moment he starts chasing Laurie, then the stabbing that damns them both, and then to the end is phenomenal filmmaking and storytelling through action, through the foundation that he set up. So while I prefer the ambiguity of 78, we get a better Michael in 07 because they try to do this story in the Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, and they fail miserably. It's been so long since I've seen it, I can't even... It's, well, it's not this. It's not, it's not this. It, 07 is so well done crafting Michael. So looking at just Michael Myers in a vacuum, this movie's story creates a better character. I agree. Two side notes, then we'll get into our final thing. Okay. If, if you'll indulge me a little longer. Let's do it. When we talk about movies, you're John Carpenter, you're pithy, you're quick, you're to the point. I'm Rob Zombie. I'm going to float and meander. I'm going to talk for hours about nothing. <laughs> and I'm going to have Danny Trejo show up. Did you notice in both movies, I sent you a text. I know you're Watching the about. original. They're watching a horror movie marathon. What movie is on the TV? The Thing from Another World. The Thing from, from another... another World. Yeah. Which... John Carpenter would then remake in what four years? Yeah, eighty-two. Eighty-two, yeah. right? I've got my notes here. I'm pretty sure it's eighty-two. I'm pretty sure it's uh, yeah, eighty-two. In four years, he would remake that movie, and it's featured in seventy-eight in the Halloween, which is fantastic. Yeah. Then Rob Zombie. I don't doubt for a second that he made this exact same connection that we are talking about right now and has the thing from another world on the TV in the background. It's so good. I loved it. I love that so much. So no, that, that part alone I thought was also worth pointing out. And in 07, we talked about when he's like tearing through the wall to get into the crawl space and specifically that though, he's looking for Lori he thinks she's in the crawl space. And he's like, how the hell do I get in there? She just starts Kool-Aid manning through the wall, yeah. right? Has this Bob Vila moment. All I could think, this old house my ass <laughs> starts tearing <laughs> things down. 
Shout out to all of our Bob Vila fans. <laughs> all I could think about while he tore that down, the way it looked, his movements, the sound effect, all I could picture was you playing Dead by Daylight, breaking those stupid pallets. <laughs> As Michael Myers. As Michael Myers. That's all I could think of was breaking pallets in Dead by Daylight. I yeah. was like, this is exactly how I feel. Just the pure frustration. It's like, kick this goddamn pallet apart. <laughs> so that did speak to me on a deeper emotional level, too. Yeah. yeah. And if I was to remake this movie now, I would have one scene where he gets hit in the face with a pallet. Someone ducks him with a pallet yeah. and he kicks the hell out of it. <laughs> Oh, you do, you'd almost have to at this point. How has no one incorporated that into a horror movie? Not yet. They will. So I just, uh, yeah, those two little little tidbits, they weren't connected to anything, but I wanted to bring them up. So final conclusion, Halloween showdown, 78 or 07. I saw you were taking notes. Do you have a final tally? Do you have a score for us? Uh, I do. I was really hoping you were going to say no. And I was just like, then what the hell were you doing? I was, I was drawing. <laughs> so I have 07 scored at two. Which was Michael, Michael and Loomis? Loomis. Okay. And I have 78. <laughs> it is not 78. Oh, the movie. I thought you meant you have 78 points. No, the movie is the from movie. 1978. Okay, yeah, the 1970s. Yeah. I'm, I'm paying attention. Okay. The original yeah. 1978 version Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. has four. Oh, okay. That's, I, I really thought you were going to hit me with, and 78 points for, <laughs> you know, I was like, we didn't yeah. talk about, so it feels like we talked about 78 things. So four to two. Four to two. That's not bad. I thought, but I don't think we have the overall. What do you mean? Like as an overall movie experience, which what are we we missing? Well, like which movie did you enjoy more overall? Right, right. Well, but even then, it wouldn't matter. I was gonna say, the breakdown, our showdown winner with a with a score of four to two. Is the original 1978 Halloween. I think as an, a movie in, in its entirety, I give it to the original 78. But I'm not going to lie. I've been haunted by the 07 character work of Laurie and Michael. It haunts me still. I can't stop thinking about it. It breaks my heart and I can't stop thinking about it. That's awesome. It's It, it has hit me on some weird, deep level. <laughs> but... If I have to sit through that opening again, I will kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. You think Michael's 22 was a lot? Baby, that's that's junior league, man. If I have to watch that opening one more time. I will say, watching the 78 version, the opening to me is way better. Mm-hmm. The ending to me is way better. The middle it's long. is long. It's boring mm-hmm. it's a lot of walking around looking around standing there standing there <laughs> talking about nothing mm-hmm. on the phone oh now i have your famous chewing you know the, yeah doing the prank phone calls um but the 07 version has a terrible opening 
terrible. Oh my god, it's, it's unbearable. It's, it's way too long. But once he gets to be an adult and he escapes, this movie runs. It's a different film. If we if there's an edit out there that's just the second half, I I wouldn't be able to not watch it. It haunts me. <laughs> so you give it to o- seventy eight. Over overall, overall, I have in all fairness, I have to. Honestly, I would rather sit through the terrible beginning. I know, You're, I know. Say it. I I would rather sit through the terrible beginning of O seven than sit through the wow. the the boredom of forty five minutes of the middle. Right, seventy eight. I'm giving it to 07. I'm not going to lie. I am shocked by that. I didn't think. I am too. I didn't think I, that was going to happen. I am too. Okay. There's just so many weird things in 78 that happen, and they're so just stupid and boring. And You know what it reminded me of? A lot of the scenes from The Shining. Which is like, why are we, why is the camera still on this? Why are we still here? What? Oh, we're here again. Yeah, it points how at, is this different than the first time? It points at things for no reason, and then it comes back to them, and I'm like, oh, why, why am I looking at this again? What am I seeing? Because um, we looked at the house across the street. How many times did we have to right. look at that house? I'm like, sometimes Michael's there, sometimes he's not. Yeah, I don't know. There's some cool shots, but mm-hmm. it just it takes forever to get to anything. Yeah, and once it finally gets there, it's super quick because there's only like 15 minutes left in the movie. That's true, but. <laughs> Uh, I I did not think I was going to do this, but yeah, I give it to a seven. Wow, because you're kind of a purist. You're you're a diehard when it comes to horror movies specifically. I I know I was. I'm proud of you for finally stepping up and 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 maintaining our integrity while watching a film. This might be the first time. Well, honestly, I I did go into the Rob Zombie one knowing I was going to hate it. Me too. Me too. It haunts me. And. <laughs> As soon as I seen Loomis's hair, it's like, God, I'm going to hate this movie. But I, as I, soon as Ronnie opened his mouth, I'm like, I hate, I hate my life. He's screaming at her and he's chewing his food and it's spitting out. I'm like, I hate this movie. But no, uh, once that part was over and he turned into the adult and escaped, I said, man, this movie is solid. Okay. So officially we have a split decision, 78 to 07, but the scoreboard goes to 78. Right. So that tells me two to one. The 1978 Halloween, the original, officially wins our first ever showdown. Barely. Barely. Yeah, we'll give it to 78. I do want to take a minute. Just real quick. I've said that before. <laughs> you said on this that one. like a half hour Shut ago. your face. <laughs> I'll murder you. And it will not haunt me as much as the character work of Michael and Laurie and Loomis in 07. If anyone out there has any amount of pull or power, if this somehow gets to rob, you know, Mr. Zombie, open this one up again. Either sit down with it yourself and be hypercritical or hire someone. Re-edit this. Give it to Tevis and I. We will re-edit it. I'll tell you right now, I think we or someone out there who actually knows what they're doing could re-edit the 07 Halloween, and it could easily, easily 
not only surpass the original, but be one of the all-time greatest horror movies. I am I feel that strongly about it. With a simple re-edit to trim the fat. Exactly. You trim the fat on this movie, and it is it will be a whole nother level of amazing. I I hundred percent agree. And I did not anticipate that. No. And that's this is one of the times where I was surprised pleasantly. Uh, Donald Pleasant? Donald Pleasantly. I hate that joke. <laughs> Everyone get your shirts out. I hate that joke. <laughs> I I honestly was half anticipating a text from you saying you're in the middle of watching it and you're like, I hate you for making me watch this show. But I didn't get that text. Well, it would have come within the first 45 goddamn <laughs> minutes. But after that, this movie cooks oh. in all the right ways. Yes. But by a hair. By a hair. John 78 Carpenter. wins. John Carpenter. You want to pull our next movie? Yeah. Where's our hat? Yeah. We're... Where's our giant bobblehead <laughs> shape mask full of movie ideas? It's over there by you. <laughs> I still can't take that kid seriously. Okay. You want to pull or you want me to pull? You go ahead. All right. Looking, looking, looking. Here we go. Drum roll. Drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. I hate you. (laughs) Okay, our next movie. Ooh, ooh, okay. Well, man, now I don't know how to feel. What? He did. Spider. I I was excited. Then fear crept in. Okay. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Nice. This is a movie I like. (laughs) <laughs> but wa- watching movies for this show makes me not like movies. So now I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie and I remember liking it. And now I'm going to hate it. <laughs> You're going to tear it down. I'm going to be like, this movie is garbage. I hate everyone. Tune in next week. Jump into Ticket Price as we look into uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. It's going to be fun. Do you have anything that we could possibly add that we haven't covered? My mouth is so dry right now. <laughs> Ronnie can help with that. <laughs> <laughs> you sp- I will crawl over there and scoop <laughs> the shit out of you. Will, you. will you spit in my mouth, though, William Forsythe, please, with your mouth full of <laughs> scrambled eggs? eggs. <laughs> Still not as bad as the eating scene from Return of the King, but. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm Jake. Will. <laughs> William Forsythe and his Forsythe and his egg mouth is William Foreskin. What? (laughs) We've been in here too long, is the problem. I'm Jake. That's Tevis. This is Ticket Price. Tune in next week for Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Please, uh, for our Patreon supporters, if you're not a supporter, jump on, check us out. Uh, And for everyone who is, Hit us up in the comments and on our forum. Let us know. Do did you like the showdown? It's a longer format video. We plan on doing more, uh, but obviously, if you guys hate it, we won't. If you love it, give us ideas on the next one. So hit us up, Ticket Price Podcast Patreon. I think that's all for this one. Good night, everybody.